0: reduce the pod yeah yeah I, I think keep it pretty basic i mean you know do you, do you have a mission statement for the pod in a way like a um quick, quick uh, you know i i don't know i guess
1: we should play to our strengths like uh welcome to two girl dads
0: <laughs> that's pretty good i was thinking this to play the gremlins theme when you, whenever you guys used to do that fucking die i love it
1: yeah we can do that can you do the little whistle like that? <laughs> Is that I, the, actually, I actually can't even that whistle that
0: might not be the gremlin same well the, the, you, wait, it, wait whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Back, back up you can't whistle i can't whistle at all <laughs> this came up recently with my co-worker I, was like, yeah, I can't whistle he's like just do, I, mean, I know how you just do it i can't do that i have really big buck teeth i i, I blame them i don't know that, if that's the truth
1: is, that would be funny if you claimed you couldn't whistle and then five years later at the same job you just bust out this big old whistle and that co-worker looks at you like, why?
0: Why the lie? <laughs> oh, they be really dubious. I'll, I'll work on them. I, I can't whistle at all, man. I can hum like a motherfucker.
1: <laughs> so how about uh, Welcome to Two Girl Dads, talking about horror movies and finding time to give back to a community that's given them so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so cozy. I like so it. How
1: about Two Middling Writers?
0: <laughs>
1: take um, what they've learned from raising their kids in the cutthroat world of corporate finance and podcasting
0: you know i kind of like learn it. to work together
1: that's what we need we need we should probably be cops will they cops? learn to work together before they're indicted two
0: that's days from important.
1: retirement the buddy cops is that's the uh, tried and true dynamic of two people the most ambitious pyramid scheme this side of egypt <laughs> I mean, we can work. We can workshop this. We can. Work no, this.
0: I, I think you you hit like gold four times. I mean, what are you talking about?
1: Two girl dads. <laughs> Two girl dads take what they've learned from building pyramids with Legos. Two girl dads, most, one cup. The most ambitious pyramid scheme in the history of the PTA. History of the PTA. Are you a member of any PTA? Any
0: dude, that wolf is at my door right now. I'm not going to do it. I don't care. Yeah, I I the, just.
1: There's hardcore attempts to get you involved with school and all that.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I don't like to be involved in anything. And I understand I'm a like kid and everything, but I was like, I, I, other parents are really just like the worst people in the world. <laughs> I can't empathize with them, even though I should be able to 100%. I just, I, every time I see them, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we're not the same. Don't even try. Don't broach this. Are you? Well, we're in pre pre-K,
1: TK, pre-TK. So she's not quite in kindergarten yet. Um, but we're, we're doing the routine where we take, she goes to school every day to learn how to go to school, I right. guess. But yeah, it's a real, you know, there's a, a huge line of cars to pick them up. You got to park far away and I've been getting there real early and then walking up, but then I feel weird. Cause I'm walking into the school and I don't know, the system, the system is just, it's very California. You know, it's, there's no real rhyme or reason to anything.
0: Uh, I don't I no, know that's things. just California. They're, they're, that's kind of my situation too right now. And like, there's a situation where we have an, an offer to uh, meet other parents and um, it's sort of like they're going to be a bunch of like, you know, get to know you kind of games. Like, I think it might be even name tags. And yeah. I'm like, my, my hackles raised. I really don't <laughs> want to do that. And I I see these people line up for their kids. And it's really funny because everyone's got this kind of like grim faces. And they see their kid, they, they lighten up. and They're all bright and sunny. And that, that makes sense. But before that, they're just like these mole people. And I can't <laughs> imagine just having a chit chat with anybody i don't know yeah the small talk is tough and then it feels like
1: uh in a weird way a workplace where i don't want to i don't want to give away any true thoughts or feelings or <laughs> opinions about anything i just want to kind of do what needs to be done and and get her out of there but yeah it's rough um they're downstairs making some some muffins right now
0: oh nice what what okay
1: uh, <laughs> s- slow down she's <laughs> gonna <laughs> Uh, Amy's gonna put all sorts of like healthy shit in it, so it's gonna be there'll be some sort of fucking zucchini muffins or something. I don't know. It's mm. always it's always a gamble. It's always a gamble. They smell good. They always smell good, and then you get it. And it's got some sort of green tendril.
0: <laughs> it's like <laughs> honestly, you're gonna have a muffin. It's a muffin. I mean, what we don't try to church it up too much. Just, I mean, I, I think <laughs> I think embrace what it is. Although I say that, but my new thing is I eat these Yasso uh, Greek yogurt ice cream bars, which are delightful, and they are kind of good for you compared to oh yeah i mean there's tons of protein in yogurt
1: we got a kind of an ice cream junkie in the house that's funny we've come full muffin circle because i think we ended the last podcast talking about going to get muffins that's what it was i was uh i was hopefully running into the guy who almost ran us over at karate you remember me telling you about that (laughs) yeah and uh he never i never saw him right the last time i talked to you i hadn't seen him why not only did i see someone doing the same thing i saw like five people on the sidewalk with e-bikes it could have been any one of them could have been him um and i just sort of locked up there's there's no vigilante justice because there was uh it was in the exact same spot exact same time um they were coming down from karate and i went down to the street on the off chance that you know this person has a routine right and uh and there was there were everywhere e-bikes all over the sidewalks one coming out my way one going away from me all of them kids so i just kind of i picked the oldest one and just kind of yelled at him and said hey yeah you he's like what's your fucking problem
0: right <laughs> which, is, which is sensible because was it yeah, him
1: i don't know see that's the thing but i guess collateral damage so and he's he had to stop at the light and i hobbled over to him <laughs> and said you almost hit my kid two weeks ago oh like, my I, God. Did not. I did not and i and i was <sighs> like you probably didn't but i was i'd gone too far I'm like what are right. you riding the sidewalk for you you have a bike lane you're right next to the fucking bike lane what are you doing he's like i oh, don't fucking worry about it and then he zipped off and then somebody came out of the there's a dress shop right there and she came out said i saw the whole thing and uh I think Wait, she was, two, weeks, two weeks ago she saw it no she saw what i just did
0: oh okay <laughs> yeah. wow that's
1: You said amazing. i saw the i saw the whole thing and And she looked like she was ready to get some content on her phone. But Hmm. I I just kind of wandered off. And I thought, what what does that mean? You saw the whole thing. You saw with no context me yelling at this guy. (laughs) Like, there's no, uh, I don't know. I think she just wanted to be part of it.
0: Right. So it's safe to say you have the largest rogues gallery of any person I've ever met in real life. Like, there's no Mm -hmm. one with as many. As
1: far as, like, perceived enemies.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's it's. It's really impressive, honestly.
1: I think it's based on a lot of recent stuff is just being paranoid because you have a kid, so you're just looking for weird shit around every corner. And this particular corner is where I get my my poppy seed muffin from this uh, the ugly mug. And there's just the high school up the street, and there's all these like uh, food trucks, and it's just pandemonium. But there's it's one of the rare places in California that makes sense where they have a bike lane. They have they thought it out a little bit, and everybody just jumps the curb on these e bikes and just start zipping around. And the one that was being the most dangerous was two kids riding tandem and they were both like teenage girls. And I thought, why couldn't you be boys so I could yell at you? I'm not gonna yell at <laughs> I'm not gonna yell at girl. Like it just uh... seems way too threatening
0: no you get you get scruples there that, that makes sense but um but they were they were up on the sidewalk zipping around people and anyway. well, you know that's it's amateur hour those e-bikes things it's 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 like lord humongous's crew they don't give a shit even and, and new... there it
1: says that's new technology right they're right they're really new um so i don't trust it in any way that and none of these kids are wearing helmets on those things. That's like being on a motorcycle without a helmet,
0: like right in the mall. Now, hearing this, the PTA needs you. You might actually become the president. You got, you got what it takes. You got the demeanor. Um, quick, quick sidebar too. Poppy seed muffin is the way to go. Those things are so good. Lemon poppy seed every day. Oh, yeah, those are tasty. Yeah, are t-
1: that's all I can think about while the zucchini muffins are cooking. downstairs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, well,
1: let's get started for real. Welcome to the Almost Good Podcast. My name is David James Keaton. Coming at me uh, live through this. Community computer like magic is tony mcmillan hey gang Uh, there's going to be some attempts to add structure to this because we got some listeners uh, apparently i'm going to try to get it keep it in an hour by adding structure that's the theory (laughs) so what i was hoping we'd talk about first if you have anything on your own to watch list do you watch horror movies during october like most people
0: oh yeah i mean I, I, but i also think i watch them all year round but uh, october I, I it sort of becomes like a job like i gotta make sure yes. I, this week i hit my uh my, my three movies or whatever you know so i think seriously I, yourself yeah, yeah?
1: I, I think you know, that's a good point the i watch them all year but i gotta i try to do something different for october and so my my new plan i've been doing it for about three four years is every october i make sure that for all 31 days, I watch a horror movie I haven't seen, um, which forces me to watch the new stuff, which is all shaky. <laughs> yeah. But, but it also means that I can check off some classics. And there's been a ton of them that I've been able to, to go back and find. This year, I'm a little worried. There's sort of a a trend with the scenesters to say every new horror movie is the absolute best thing that's ever been. And I, I keep getting burned because um, they're, <laughs> they're decent, but they're not. If I had no idea what it was, I'd probably think that was a nice that was a nice way to spend an hour and a half, but everybody's just pumping up very okay movies that uh, I, I I'm worried th- about. Talk to me, which everyone seems to love. Have you seen talk to me?
0: No, it's on my list too, but I had the same fear. And I think it's akin to when someone you're talking to a friend of yours goes Oh, you gotta meet so and so. You guys would hit it off, and I'm like, please don't do that. There's expectation. I'm gonna. You're, you're making it really weird. Like if you just said nothing, I might, but now I think that there's pressure. Yeah. So talk yeah. to me. Does look promising, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I also I'm not but, gonna pay twenty bucks for. It. I'll rent it for five right. or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's linger. I'm sure it'll be ready to rent. They're gonna there's gonna be a lot of rentals for yeah for October. It had a kind of um. I watched the trailer, but then I turned off the trailer because it was giving away the game. But yeah. uh, what I saw was reminding me of... Did you see Wounds?
0: No, that sounds really, really familiar, though. What's Wounds? It was
1: a, it was a Hulu, made-for-Hulu movie, based on... Uh, oh, I can't think... I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. The Visible Filth. Oh! Ballin- it,
0: Ballin- Ballinard. Balliard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? I I, uh, I don't know if it is. That's the way I said it in my head.
1: It's spelled Balingrud. Right. I'm sure it's not pronounced that way. Yeah. The, the, uh, the visible filth, it was one of those, this is horror publications. It had a real cool cover with a little cell phone sitting on the corner of a bar with little cockroaches on it.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah.
1: And then it was made into the movie wounds, which is not a good title at all. Very forgettable, but I liked the, what I saw, it kind of falls apart. And it's one of those that I watched over a period of three weeks. (laughs) a couple years back
0: that sounds riveting <laughs> yeah
1: but it's one of those ones where you know it's not essential viewing but you're you're enjoying coming back to it if that makes any sense no
0: yeah it, it's like um it's a comfort food right like uh you yeah don't, yeah it's not homework Go the ahead. concept
1: the the idea is is great because it's so simple there's a, a really seedy bar and somebody uh, some weird kid there's like teens in the corner underage drinkers and there's a bar fight and in the scuffle someone leaves their cell phone okay and so the bartender takes the cell phone home and he starts looking through the pictures on it and he sees increasingly creepy things mm. and this there seems to be these kids seem to be involved in some sort of seances or something but it's the way they handle it it's not it's not that kind of spooky witchcrafty seance bullshit it's kind of scientific Lovecrafty. i think there's a book on math in the background they're using i don't remember it, it, exactly. it sounds
0: great so far honestly everything sounds cool
1: yeah so that stuff was really cool um like he, he's thumbing through the pictures and he comes across a video which is just like a severed head on a table. Hmm. And the, you can hear all these kids talking and giggling. They're like, oh shit, oh shit. Uh, uh. And the, you see the head seems to have these, like, these little feet on it. And it starts to move, starts to walk. And they're like, ah, shit. And then <laughs> it's like, what the fuck am I even looking at? So that kind of stuff, the way the kids are having fun, conjuring up something horrible, seems to be maybe what Talk To Me is going <laughs> to be about. So I'm kind of excited about that idea.
0: Right. But you see that visible filth kind of falls apart at the end? Or should, I, should I try it? I think you should watch
1: it. Just I'd be curious what you think. That it has a couple issues. One being the lead is uh newly uh, exposed cannibal army hammer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it's funny, I had I have no recollection of the film, but I was like, is it gonna be army hammer? Is it gonna play army yeah. hammer? I knew it, and
1: I'm not saying that his, his cannibalism would not be a turnoff for me watching that movie. The problem is that he's obviously a rich 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 man right so for him to play the kind of low-life bartender i just wasn't buying it he's perfectly cast in the facebook movie right as, as twin privileged rich kids
0: sorry to bother you that was another good casting using him yes, for what he is that's, yeah
1: that's how you're going to use him so for this one he's wearing like a concert t-shirt and he's always kind of scratching like, itching himself and everybody comments <laughs> and like he smells bad Right. And I'm just thinking this dude, his wherever he is eating people is gonna be immaculate, you know. He's it's oh, gonna sure. be like, like the killer in uh the girl with the dragon tattoo. It's gonna be right. glass and steel with the upkeep <laughs> on the gassing system. He's not gonna be, he's just not, he doesn't play a believable, grubby. I guess he's sort of supposed to be like white trash, college right? Dropout. Doesn't work. He commits to it. I'll give him that. And uh he's it's pretty much every scene he's in. That's the thing. It's all his his like uh trajectory of him trying to figure out what's going going on and it's not really an investigation into it it's it's just sort of a weird three days that his life kind of starts falling apart because he's looking at this stuff so like it's, i said it didn't it didn't have an immediacy that demanded that i see where it went Did you i read knew the, that it was going to tread water in an interesting way
0: did you read the novella Mm-mm. i'm i'm wondering yeah. like if the book's like better you know because well, I, I imagine that guy's
1: pretty good he's
0: yeah that's what i've heard too he's so one of those guys i haven't gotten around to
1: yeah um, i imagine it's got to be it's got to be a lot better i think that the intangible nature of whatever's happening, rendering it with the graphics that they're stuck with, right? Limits it, you know? But to read about it, I'm sure would factor,
0: right? I'm always a sucker for like a blue velvet type of like this a guy finds something he shouldn't find and he, yes. he keeps, you know, I'm saying I'm always that always works for me, basically. Yeah, yeah, so that's the gist of it.
1: But the, the side plot of the kids that we don't really see what they're doing, we just only see through those pictures and that little video, they're not really part of the movie, except for that. Hmm. So, talk to me looks like it might just. Be, those
0: kids that's a movie. I, I guarantee yeah.
1: whoever did talk to me saw wounds or read the visible felt and thought i want to see that story that's on that phone
0: right because it but... looks
1: so much like the same thing but i could be wrong i haven't seen it yet so that'll be a new horror movie i haven't seen i'm i wanted i would have said no one will save you it was oh. i was looking forward to that
0: I just, but... I just brought it up today but the reviews are really divisive like what's the deal
1: well that's that isn't the issue <laughs> the issue is all the the scenesters have spoiled a big part of it
0: and like, oh.
1: this movie's been on cable for 48 hours <laughs> and I've got five people. it's my own fault for looking at Facebook. There's like five people have talked about a pivotal experimental nature of, to the movie. I'm tempted to ruin it for you just to talk about it. I don't know.
0: Well don't I'll, know. I'll I'll ask I'll ask if it's this and then if it's not, don't don't tell me what it is. Is it the fact that there's like one line of dialogue in the whole film? That is it. Okay. Oh, if, if you I was gonna say, I'm sorry if someone's listening to this and I if I fucked up for you. But for me, that's I'm the, like,
1: That's the cycle of abuse. Like <laughs> I was abused, right. I was abused by and now everyone else it trickles <laughs> down and you are all abused too but yes the idea that it's just one two lines of dialogue is uh it'd be great to realize that gradually you know like you, you'd you start to be hungry for somebody to say something right and now that i'm not going to get that pleasure because i'm just going to think i'm sure i would enjoy the same things and i like a no dialogue doing stuff kind of sequence sure but to wait for people to talk and not get it or get it in limited ways. I would have liked to have experienced that on my own. But but here's the sure. thing,
0: man. You're like he couldn't keep the mouth shut about people keeping their mouth shut. Um <laughs> what you're saying it yeah, nice. Your your experience could have been really cool. You can't really um beat that. But I still think and experience knowing that wouldn't spoil the whole film for me. Like, I've had some great shock twist endings spoiled by my, by my older sister when I was growing up. <laughs> and I still enjoy Like, she, she had this thing about Fincher movies. She, she spoiled Alien 3 and 7. And yeah. I, yeah. And, like, I remember uh, Alien 3, As like a little kid. I was really invested. I was like, I haven't seen it yet because it was r it And um, she saw it and she's like, I was like, don't tell me anything else. Allison and she was like Ripley dies at the end and I was like like yes like this this cruel just super cruel
1: that's so cool there were a couple people that posted about it and said this might be a spoiler be careful and then they said it so that's my own fault for reading past that but yeah. the one that the one that snagged me is somebody posted the the actual couple of lines, so I didn't know what the context of what I was looking at. So I come to this post and it's and it was saying incredible use of these three uh, sentences in this up, and I'm like, what do they tie? Is this a book? <laughs> and so I'm reading the three sentences, and then it hits me. Oh, god damn it! Hmm. that's that movie so the person that posted it not only not using spoiler but making it it was like a puzzle to solve like why did he post this screenshot of three sentences from a screenplay what screenplay is this i mean i get it that that's exciting that there might be a screenplay out there that's two pages long
0: right I was, I was <laughs> say the, the other element of it which is, you know you know like some of the plot like the what the 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 bad guy is basically
1: i don't i only know it's alien related okay but... that,
0: that, that's all i'm gonna say that's all i know too and I have a weird uh soft spot for alien stuff does creep me out, even though I kind of think it's all bullshit. But um something about like I saw fire in the sky when I was a kid oh, that yeah. really got under my skin and I then I saw communion like this a week later and I, I just like cemented like this shit terrifies me. Those are
1: probably two just very, I would say not problematic, messy, not quite successful movies but with a couple sequences in them that just nail it as far yeah, as the totally the, uh, the unease yeah uh, and right. i i actually saw communion way late because i oh, okay. remember I remembered clips from it when i worked in the video store and thought this is fucking garbage but then i watched <laughs> it by myself at night and i thought this is really getting that unease factor like in uh in nope ironically the thing that's not the alien when the kids are dressed as aliens
0: yeah that part that's
1: they got the, yeah uh, he he really nailed the unease there.
0: Yeah, I actually remember being in the theater seeing that part. And I was like, oh my god, this is like getting the, the hair standing on my skin. And it's funny that yeah, then it turns out to be Scooby Doo, uh, you know, <laughs> junk. Right. Yeah, so I, that I'll probably still see that movie. That that um
1: there's a, another one if you're if you like movies that aren't great that have really <laughs> intense sequences like that sure. you might have already seen it the fourth kind
0: i was just gonna bring it up dude totally yeah i feel exact same way um uh, the Lena the real, Jonevich, a mess, right yeah their main gimmick is just a, a mess
1: the idea that they're they filmed it twice <laughs> and yeah I guess if, you, if you didn't know anything about it you're supposed to get kind of blair witched by it right you're right. supposed to think oh that's the real footage but the but the person in the real footage is an actress I've seen before.
0: I had exact so, same experience. I was like, Oh man, you, could you, you should have found somebody who no one knows. Like, and somebody
1: all. who's good at acting like they're right. not acting or whatever right but yeah but as far as the the audio of the the what the sumerian alien slash demons or whatever coming right. into people's rooms and people just like losing their shit that's pretty well done it, it reminded yeah. me
0: of apex twin videos it really kind of got that like just unholy alien thing
1: yeah the way that they would have that they seem to own us or something and that they they could do whatever they want and you're just helpless like, well, that, because... that's the
0: thing i was thinking about this what alien abduction what, what bothers me is, is the possession aspect and it's sort of like a more realistic um exorcist possession thing for me it's oh man this the idea that they could come back every 10 years and just fuck with you no matter what like there's no end to it this yeah. is terrifying yeah
1: it's just the movie <laughs> just it's so ridiculous But every, every so often those scenes kick in and like, man, what could have been Yeah. all they needed was that somebody they should have farmed out the other narrative to like a documentary crew or a, just somebody to make it ironically worse would make it better.
0: That's pretty yeah. smart, yeah.
1: Because they keep showing, they, they'll show this, and then when they chose to show the scene side by side with Mila Jovovich or whatever yeah. acting out the, the same moment there, yeah. I guess they're trying to say, one is fake and one is real, but why even show you, even if, let's say, that there was documentary footage of some incident, why even show the reenactment right next to it? Right, even,
0: what is gained, really, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't get it. But yeah, it's got uh, some some creepy alien stuff
0: in it so i still have a bunch of ones that are, are probably like a year old now but i still haven't seen them. like cronenberg's kid made two movies uh, infinity pool and uh i think it's oh possessor
1: yes possessor is i would say twice the movie
0: infinity pool is but they're both oh, shit. cool okay yeah i, I would they're... say
1: possessor is is amazing
0: okay awesome yeah I, i've been I, it's one of those things i keep forgetting I'm Like, I, and then also i, I think you've Mentioned on one of your podcasts but um i really liked raw and i think that guy did uh titane yes or, is Titan- that is that good it's not really horror yeah. but i think it qualifies okay
1: it's it's funny you put those two all together because it reminds me of the brandon cronenberg's kind of style where okay just a horrific amount of realistic violence <laughs> in this sort of detached 70s Style—they seem to be from the same um, whatever spawned them. There is there's this uh, this vibe to those movies It's that's similar. I would say raw is. Um if Wes Anderson did those movies Raw is his Rushmore where the, <laughs> the people are more you get the, the college experience and somebody dealing with oh they like to eat people the the realism and the, the teen angst stuff works really well where Titane I don't know what world that is I don't know It's there's some magic realism to it but there's also this detachment of the people and person that you're kind of rooting for is um, unapologetically horrible <laughs> so that's similar to Possessor Possessor the protagonist and Possessor do you, do you know anything about the gimmick of it
0: i saw the trailer and actually i i actually half remember it is it sort of like almost like scanners where they have a a system of possessing people like some sort of organization that does it or something or no yeah
1: the idea is that there is some sort of group that for the right price can take over someone's body and then use that body to kill someone so that then that so you get kind of a two-for-one deal where you kill someone you want to kill and also you frame someone you want to frame right that's why you get these weird uh incidents in the paper where somebody goes nuts and kills their
0: family um this is great I lo- I, that's a great idea
1: yeah so but the way it's handled is so disturbing and and very low tech so the the technology to do it is um very much david cronenberg right. some, it's not quite as gooey <laughs> but, but definitely looks got some big knobs and you know some more low-tech looking dials is, is there some, chi- anti- is like there an some chicken bone gun shit going on or no? <laughs> no that's it doesn't go that far in that direction but it uh, looks kind of Kind of analog, I guess you could
0: say. No, that sounds great. I was, you know, video drum. Part of it, why it still works to me is like it's this all old analog crap. Yes, it, it reminded me the it's
1: obviously his. It's his video drum. Cool for sure. Have you seen Bones and all? Because that's on my list.
0: Uh, no, I've heard mostly good things about it. And I remember when it first came out, I was like, oh, I gotta see this. And you know, I have a kid. This is really hard, but uh, it's Timothy Chalamet, right? And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's like the Cannibal movie, but sort of like almost looks like um, what's the sissy spacek Martin. uh Sheen uh, Badlands. It's like Badlands for cannibals. For sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it, it didn't, the poster and the idea of it didn't really throw me. But then so many people that I, I kind of respect their opinion because they're kind of unforgiving of genre mm. movies. They're like, "This that was actually really great. So I'm looking forward to that one. And then I heard something called Cobweb, which I haven't checked out. Yeah, I don't even know anything about it. Again, it had a terrible looking poster, just kind right. of a gothic looking poster that just bored me. But maybe, maybe that one's good. It was on some lists. One,
0: I, I haven't seen the trailer even, so I don't know.
1: It'll be good to take some chances in October, you know.
0: Well, I think you know. I think you're definitely the same boat as I am. Probably even more so. Uh, You know, I've seen a lot of horror movies, so I think your idea of all new stuff is pretty good. Cause
1: 'cause I still find something. You know, new new gems. They're also underpopulated, though. Even the ones I just named all seem to involve about three or four people. (laughs) Right. I was watching the other night, the hard way with um, Michael J. Fox and James Woods. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my sister and I were watching at the same time. She's in Ohio. We both we both pushed play at the same time. She had never seen it. <laughs> and we had been reminded of it because there was a Key and Peel sketch where he pretends like he's uh will smith's son have you seen that one no it's where, where uh, jordan peele pretends like he's will smith's kid who's uh on the phone with his agent they're trying to give him scripts and they're like so i i forget it exactly but he's like so you go you go to this uh the school he's like the what like this <laughs> or you could go he's like you mean outside the limo <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fucking great because like so the hard way it, so like, michael j fox is an actor who's hanging out for real cop right that's the whole bit yes yeah yes. okay
1: and there's a the sequence at the beginning of the hard is almost identical to that skit where michael <laughs> j fox when they first introduced michael j fox he's the spoiled brat who's walking around this big party he's on the phone with his agent or something and they're trying to they're pitching ideas to him and he's like no but he's and he's pouting about the food they're bringing him the same hmm. thing is in that a jordan peele skit but the Jeez. best line in it was he says so, so your character has to make a choice <laughs> and jordan peele goes a choice And they go, yeah, you know, like you have two things and you have to pick one. He goes, but there's two. He goes, yeah, but you have to decide which one you want. He's like, but there's two. (laughs) <laughs> I told you no more science fiction.
0: <laughs> oh God. It, that's, that's pretty funny. Cause honestly, it's it, every time you see like uh then you know, the Nepo baby is a big trend now, but it's true. You wonder how much do the understand of, of life at all to pull for the characters. But then again, I don't understand acting. Maybe acting really is like a more a mechanical weird thing that you don't really need life experience. I have no yeah, idea.
1: Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I guess as far as the Nepo baby argument is blown out the window with Brandon Cronenberg, but sure. maybe there's something a little more to, them as a creator than as a more of a cog in the wheel with an with an actor.
0: Although having Cronenberg as your dad would turn you into a Cronenberg type figure, like it's yeah. It's... I mean, I'm
1: I'm of two minds on it. You know you're around all that stuff so it's going to be interesting to you right. no matter what i have to you know i'm in conflict with that thought plus the thought of hating rich kids right and the idea that they get everything they want and so you get to be it's your turn to be
0: rich and famous and no, I, can't, I,
1: I can't think of a good
0: i i I, I, I turn to a caddyshack bruce springsteen song at the drop of a hat when i talk to somebody i'm like oh you don't fucking get it <laughs> you don't fucking get it and uh but at the same time i i, I kind of think about like a like a joe hill or like a uh, Bob Dylan's kid where I'm like you know in a way to actually go out and try to do the same thing your famous parent did like in the same genre or whatever yeah. is a little like gutsy. but then also like it's not it's not at all you have so many open doors
1: yeah the thing I noticed about Joe Hill's book I, I read Horns yeah um It was very skilled. Um, Yeah, no, but there was a there was a lot of it.
0: Did you read it? I read no, I read Nosferatu and I read um the rock and roll one. I forget it's called
1: So I don't know if those are the same way, but it horns felt like not quite a first draft. But if you had a bunch of people saying, you know, you have to make a choice about this particular character, but there's a choice. (laughs) What do you (laughs) mean? I can do whatever I want. I can. No one's going to edit this. It felt like uh, it felt like middle career Stephen King where nobody's going to touch it. Nobody's going to edit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the horns was already a thousand pages, but it's a lot of book for what felt mm. like a, it should have been a lot
0: punchier. I will um, say his comic book series, uh, Lock and Key, that was pretty good, man. All around. I it's good. I heard it's yeah. good. I think his deal, I could be wrong. I think he actually tried to have like, uh, he used a pseudonym, obviously. And he, uh, I think he tried to be incognito, but he looks exactly like his dad yeah, he does. i i met him and i actually thought he, i basically i didn't think he was his dad but i saw him at a bookstore and i was like i just saw this guy i was like hey man uh did anyone ever ever tell you you look like uh stephen king and he's like all the time i'm i'm his son joe hill i was like oh and i was like hey how you doing bud I'm, like, I'm i'm great and it was it was really friendly <laughs> but i was like really weird and he was
1: like has anybody ever told you you look like bjork
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i would have i would have kissed him my i think my bjork days are over man i got the gray beard i think you know I saw, you know, the Northman. It's not, it's not the same. Lost it.
1: <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. So uh, that's the to watch list, and as far as um, a to read list, are you currently reading anything?
0: Yeah. So I'm reading a couple things. So I, I finished. Um, Tom Scioli, one of my favorite comic book creators. He just did a Stan Lee bio comic called I Am Stan which is really good. And like he, he just did Jack Kirby one a couple of years ago, which uh, I like even more, but this is really well done. And it gets into like, Stanley is a really interesting type of person because he's, uh, it's sort of like some people give him way too much credit and other people don't give him enough credit. It's an interesting story about this guy who kind of, um, he helped this industry, but he also ripped off a lot of people and he's sort of a victim himself. But it's, it's really messy and, And interesting i I think that if they actually made a movie of this like this could be like an easy oscar win for somebody but of course since marvel's owned by disney and they're going to protect their image i can't ever see them making a movie being this candid so that was really good i'm um currently interesting
1: because that's that's kind of the genre that that you're in with your serious creatures where I, i hadn't really heard about anything like that before a comic in the comic world i guess maybe i have but it's interesting that that sounds so much in your wheelhouse that story
0: I will say comic, I, I I got right? there first, man. So Tom Show, who I do love and look up to, I was there first. Tom. It no, sounds he's... like
1: he's yeah. It sounds like very similar to what you're up to. What you're up to.
0: Yeah, the thing I guess one of the big differences. Is I'm using a lot of analogs and having a little you know fun. I'm I'm doing boogie nights, but not doing Wonderland. He's yeah. doing Wonderland. These this they're all they're all named. Um, but uh, it's I think it's a really good book. It's it's a really cool comic book. I think you should, uh, people should check it out. And like his Jack Kirby one's even better. Jack Kirby is the unsung king of comics. He's, he's, he's amazing. His life's fucking nuts. Um, but, uh, the thing I'm reading I'm not done with yet, but I'm I'm enjoying. It's weird though, is the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, uh, book adaptation. Well,
1: yeah, I've heard of people have a lot to say about that.
0: I'm like four chapters in, and I enjoy. It. What I like so far is uh, almost none of this is in the movie so far. This is all. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I heard. I heard that it's it's so perverse that you get a ton of new stuff to expand it, and then when you're you're waiting for the Brad Pitt stuff to expand, somebody that read it they're like he gives you nothing.
0: <laughs> I, thank God. The, it, I, I think he's too smart to be like, "Oh, here's here's the truth," because that's the that's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. It it kind of is the movie. The
1: fact that he may or may
0: Yeah, that's a little nebulous. And like, it's funny. Some people are like, "He clearly did it." I'm like, I don't know if it's that clear. It, it seems like likely, but then other times I'm like, uh, I don't know, because it seems like some of the thesis of the movie is kind of like uh, people have these secrets, and he and part of his casting in the movie is like. He got, you know, what's her name who hit somebody her, her car to play the wife that he kills and everyone there's all these people with sorted past and it's like I, I think that's a little on purpose. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. but even so far it's cool. It's the only thing I'll say it's weird. Like I do like it. Um he goes on these tangents, which I'm in, I'm totally loving because it's all about movie history, but like the second chapter, it starts out, Hey, here's Cliff, and within the next paragraph's like, here are Cliff's fair films and why. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 that's the rest of the chapter at the very end. It's like, oh, and then Cliff uh, picked up uh, Rick Dalton in the car. I'm like, that's, that's a chap. That's great. But uh. that's
1: awesome. It sounds like somebody sort of related to the Nepo baby thing that you get unique circumstances when people have unlimited resources. And somebody that hasn't written a book before, maybe they and they've written in a different genre is just sort of learning how to do it, but getting it published. It sounds like a book written by an alien who doesn't, who, who's just like, I'm going to do it this other way.
0: Yeah. So and, I, I, and, wanna...
1: and they're going to get, a, they're going to publish it.
0: Yeah. I, I'm going to wait till I, but that's my, my central question myself. I'm like, would I dig this if I, this wasn't Tarantino? I'm like, I don't know. Cause I, it is well-written for what it is, at least a line by line basis uh, but as far as the form goes, I, I had to kind of finish the book. But part of me is also like, well, maybe he's, he's savvy enough to go. Clearly, you've seen the movie. This is not your introduction to this world. So this is supplemental material no matter what. And I'm right. like, that's that's a cool angle because like it's almost like I remember as a kid, I tried to read the book first. And sometimes I I, I, I failed. I watched the movie first. And so when I'm going to read the book, I'd be kind of a little bored by certain parts, especially at the beginning are the setup stuff, like, oh, no, I've, I've already seen this. Like, let's, I, I want to get to the part that's new. And so he's kind of, like, front-loading with new stuff. But at the same time, as as a thing by itself, I don't know if it's effective, but maybe it doesn't have to be a thing by itself ever. I don't know. It
1: sounds like unusual supplemental material, but a sequel and also a prequel. And he's, you know, he he sounds like he's going insane as he approaches this 10th movie <laughs> personal deadline. So he I bet he, he's going to have to expand into other areas. I mean, a, an artist doesn't just stop creating art, but I, I can't imagine him not sticking to his own self-imposed rule of no more movies after 10. So he'll probably write books, write TV shows and do all sorts of stuff. So this is probably dabbling in in that.
0: He said as much, you know, and I I read his nonfiction book and I I pretty much enjoyed that. I think there's parts where like, um, he
1: said, he said he's going to start writing novels.
0: Yeah. He said like, that's, that's, that's his next Thing he oh, wants shit. to focus on, yeah. yeah. I, so I, I was like, "All right, cool, man." I mean, I think I think he could do it. It's a, uh, it's funny. It, it kind of feels a little Elmore Leonardy, which isn't you know a shock, probably. Cool dialogue and and fast exchanges and. I don't know. I I, I guess I'm surprised. I thought I always assumed that he
1: would go into TV after he did that extended version of Hateful Eight. It seemed like like that that structure of the limited series, the four episodes or five episodes seemed
0: to suit him. And I also think that if once upon a time in Hollywood, all the TV within the movie kind of thought made me lead to that same conclusion. Like, oh, he's and he's directed TV episodes before, you know, like
1: and also that he sees the the end of cinema coming like we all do as far as right. his whole, he has to let that his love of the of the actual physical film die in some way and that that's the way that he could what was that his complaint he said it's watching a digital film is like TV in public so this would be right doing it, that but it, on his own terms by writing a series but yeah novels I'll take it you know yeah
0: I'll say too like you know like him or, or, or not what's really interesting is he's had this fucking awesome opportunity to do whatever he wants his, his entire catalog and I can't really think of many other people who have been able to do that like everyone kind of does eventually have to do like you know one for them and he's I just kinda... wish
1: he'd do 20 movies because even if his theory is right that after 10 all directors start getting shitty although uh, before the devil knows your dead would have proven that wrong
0: because yeah we've rocked yeah Sidney it like 200,
1: 200 years old when he made that
0: <laughs> he's a fucking Methuselah like yeah guess what so open on Phil <laughs> I feel hopping fucking the shit out of uh, my cousin Vinny <laughs> <laughs> Marissa Tomei, sorry
1: yeah but that, yeah, that exactly. That could have been made by a 25-year-old. So maybe that he's right about that, but I think that if he had more time to breathe, his best movies I think were right before he went full pulpy, even yeah. within the movie. I think Inglorious Bastards has some of his best stuff in it, next to some of his goofiest shit. No, I
0: know <laughs> like, what you mean. It's people after people are
1: high stepping around with uh, bombs on their legs like Looney Tunes characters. He, like that that got goofy.
0: It's after uh, Jackie Brown. He he goes into uh it's cool, but it's not this, he goes full on fantasy world.
1: What are you coming in here? I'm doing a podcast. So you do the podcast. <laughs>
0: I'm doing a marble run with me. You want
1: to do a marble run? Okay, we could do a marble run. Are you a termite?
0: I'm a I'm a sperm whale.
1: A sperm whale. What does that sound like? She's echolocating.
0: That's my kid. Does She's the same echolo- thing. <laughs> What's my, kid that? Loves, my, my kid does the same thing. She she, uh, she loves marine animals, loves whales. Did you hear that? You got to meet Tony's daughter. She's into whales too. her name's Nora. Nora? What's your name?
1: Hazel. Hi, Hazel. What? what else do we call you? Scooby. <laughs> Scooby? Scooby? Or doodle? Sco- Scooby doo We talk, <laughs> call her a variety of clicks and whistles, much like the echo locating. Now I'm gonna have you're gonna have to go back downstairs though, because um I'm gonna talk about stuff that might not be for termites or whales to hear what's that i'm gonna read it i'm well, gonna read it i think well let's i think let's go down here and, no, I'm going to read well i'm gonna to have to ask you to take that downstairs while i finish up this podcast
0: Mom won't let me
1: won't let you what won't let me
0: take this book down
1: the i think that yes you absolutely giraffes can't dance is not relegated to the upstairs stacks or right, give me a second here tony <laughs> no,
0: i get i get it i don't want to come. Okay.
1: No, thanks.
0: I'm, so I haven't been up here in a
1: week. Uh, you can do your bath. Termites need baths. Whales need baths.
0: Especially whales, because they
1: live in the water. See you soon.
0: All right, she's still with me. That was damn right adorable. That was, that was great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the visual was also pretty hilarious. She was wearing, she's wearing these like fairy wings,
0: but <laughs> she calls
1: them her whale flukes. So mm-hmm. it was a
0: full-on whale came up here oh that's great is she a daddy's girl my, my kids are obsessed with me
1: only when um her mother's not around so oh okay uh amy went on a, a trip with her her mom and her sister and her sister's friend they all came up here and they did sort of a california sightseeing and um hazel stayed back here with me and as soon as she's gone she starts to get clingy to me because she understands like oh that's that's the caregiver yeah, it's hmm. very, I don't want to say manipulative, but it's very survival instinct, right? <laughs> we had a cat that was the same way that not that she's like this with me when Amy's around, but the cat was like hissing <laughs> at me. And then when Amy would leave, it would just start rubbing my legs.
0: Like, hey, old friend. Yeah. So that's yeah. what happens.
1: Like within hours of Amy taking off, she's like standing on my feet and holding onto my leg and I'm walking like, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing today, <laughs> father? <laughs> oh, that's great. The Tarantino book sounds great. I'm reading well I just finished uh Dexter Palmer's version control I don't know if mm, you've heard of it. no it's pretty great um I just finished it so I'm thinking of possible reviews for throw on Goodreads for no one to see right um, smart but it was it was recommended to me with the people promised me it had that kind of primer energy to it cool and it's not really that but uh I think it was it was also on a list that included head cleaner like if you like that kind of thing oh. and I thought oh yeah well let's see what what's that that's all about <laughs> but it has from the whole um that whole you can't travel where there are no where there aren't roads idea of time travel that sure. there's no time it, machine yeah yeah once the time machine is invented from that point on things can go haywire but up until that point time is safe you know right so that, that's sort of the theory that that it's using but it's it's very that there's a near future setting and the whole time you think that they, they can't find any proof that they've actually done it and I, that's the fascinating part they invent this thing they've got all this funding for it, it it's kind of like the personal lives of scientists is the book so mm. you get there's a lot of relationship stuff and and the kind of the day-to-day of what these scientists do so it's kind of heady in that way but it's also kind of sex in the city and kind of kind of trashy in a weird way. right these scientists are involved in making this device which once they turn it on, they're going to send in a robot. They keep calling it a causality disruptor or, um, or a causality violation device. Hmm. And so they have a big moment when they get this Elon Musk type gives them money, says, yeah, I want to be involved in this. And they have a big day when they turn it, when they flip the switch. And then the Elon Musk type is like, so, um, yeah, I'm not going to give you any money, actually. And they're like, why? And he said, because the moment you turn that switch on, something should have come out of there. There's no reason why there wouldn't have been immediate proof that it worked." it must not work because and, that, and it must never work because if it ever began to work the people that would take advantage of it working would come back to the point when it starts working or i'm saying it worse than they do in the book but the yeah idea- I, I think i
0: knew you mean yeah
1: If it ever was to work, then it just you just prove that it will never will. It's kind of like the Stephen Hawking's theory where he sent out an email that said, meet if time travel exists, meet me at this party. And he said, since no one shows up at the party, showed up at the party, that it's definitive proof that it will time travel will never exist.
0: Oh, crazy. Yeah. I mean, so unless. They, Unless... <laughs> they don't want to reveal that, yeah.
1: But then they start to get the idea. This is where it gets really great. Is maybe it did work, and if it did, there'd be no way to ever know because the rewriting would happen so right. so quickly, and Seamless- easily, yeah, seamlessly that uh, they'll never know. And so then I started thinking, well, the the reason that's in a near future setting is because, and we're talking like just two or three years in, from now. Right. The technologies they describe are not here, but like all cars are automated. Um, but, you know, we're on the verge of that. Right. So I thought maybe that's the way that it's going to reveal it is that we're I'm reading a book about what happens when there's this constant tinkering. That's why it's in this barely near future. And that kind of never resolves. It's. Hmm just never quite it has a, an active disinterest in the time travel aspect which is part of the reason i liked it but it kind of you kind of crave some sort of big moment right but to be honest that's kind of what i avoided in my book too is any any explanation I, if you if you like people just kind of talking about the, the the idea of what it could be and how it disrupts their daily life I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Some moments in it that are just so brilliant that where this guy is just uh, operating on another level.
0: What um, the author's name? What's the, the name again? Uh, Dexter Palmer. Dexter Palmer. Anything else I would have maybe heard of they did?
1: I looked him up because I, I mentioned to this that I to someone that i really like this and they said oh you got to check out his hot air balloon book
0: <laughs> and i guess
1: he has one other novel oh the dream of perpetual motion is his hmm. uh, his debut and that's pens- the hot air b- balloon book imprisoned for life aboard a zeppelin that cool. floats high above a metropolis greeting card writer harold winslow pens his memoirs see i'm kind of tapping out at that point <laughs> it's got that little whimsical sound to
0: Anderson for you <laughs>
1: yeah maybe Brothers Bloom uh, says that that's the really good one. They, uh, that one gets a lot of um, good reviews. So, so I read that, enjoyed it. I'm still formulating my thoughts on it. Um, I'm starting to dive into, you probably seen him on Facebook, Will Valharo's Graffiti in the Rubber Room.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never read his stuff. I, I, I'm like Facebook friends with him and I've seen some of his stuff. Yeah.
1: It's a very unique style, like sort of overwritten, but in stream of consciousness, free for all, mm-hmm. like high-minded sleaze. He kind of, it's hard to explain. What he does, is hard to explain. It it's, gotcha. It reminds me of Norman Mailer's "Tough Guys Don't Dance." If you've ever read that one,
0: uh, no, I mean, that's a classic. And actually, I think I've heard you discuss that. Um, oh, and...
1: I did. We I, we talked about it last time.
0: Yeah, and actually made me want to actually uh, either watch the movie because he directed the movie too, right?
1: He did. He did. Yeah, but the and book I... will have a couple pages of try of a of a writer laboring to describe his wife's ass or something. <laughs> so you've got it's just there's this effort put into it to elevate what is essentially a these base insights. and i think uh that's that's going on in graffiti in the rubber room which is a memoir (laughs) but also i don't want to say fictionalized but there's flights of fancy within the within the um detailing of his life which is a crazy crazy shit this guy's
0: life yeah he's he's father was in the hollywoods in some form right
1: wasn't he like yeah a... he was in the movie uh bare knuckles was his starring role i don't know if you ever saw that one it's a
0: tarantino favorite gotcha no i don't think i have but cool. A lot
1: of t- yeah a lot of tv stuff played a heavy
0: very cool yeah
1: and uh the other bo- oh were you saying something
0: oh i was just gonna say i tell me like you know labor and writing about your wife's ass one of my uh i have the band you ever heard of the band electric six no okay they, Their big song was called gay bar and that's from like 20 years ago if jack white was a guest star on it. And they're kind of a comedy band they're great they have a song called i never fucked her and it's really epic and it's like this is like epic ballad, but then it, the line is i never fucked her and it's set with such like earnestness and it's like <laughs> i I, must, I love it it's great that's great that's
1: like uh there's a a story that um i teach in my creative writing class called we didn't uh, hmm. by Stuart Dybek, and it has a refrain i mean essentially it's a very uh it's a an elevated version of we didn't fuck over and over <laughs> again. but it's uh but it's done in that same kind of hysterical nostalgia so right. might as well have the way the, that it's written but right. the we didn't we didn't refrain makes it makes the story it sounds just like it i'll definitely listen to that cool i'll listen to that song if you read that short story
0: all right all right uh Uh, we didn't
1: online okay so yeah that's that's about what i'm reading i've i've been reading swamplandia for no joke like two years i can't get through it (laughs) i feel bad because karen uh, Karen russell's written probably my favorite short story or one of them um with saint lucy's home for girls raised by wolves and Mm. it's just too it feels very young adult
0: yeah about a family raising alligators did we talk
1: about this before
0: no i don't think so no
1: So it's a family rate. They have like an alligator farm, but it's kind of whimsical stuff, coming of age stuff. And there's, it's weird because ironically, St. Lucie's, the short story that she wrote, deals with younger, younger girls but is much more provocative or in its own way, just like riveting and disturbing where this, which seems to have more potential to be an adult book. feels like a kid's book.
0: Is it like a little saccharine or is that too far?
1: It's no, it's too well-written to be that. Okay. It's like the, good. I don't know. I, and it feels like backheading compliments, but hmm. it's probably the best young adult book I've read, but it was never, that's how they should have marketed it. If I came across it when I was reading, you know, Mark Twain, I would have thought this is incredible because it's also satirical as well. And it was, it was uh, nominated for the Pulitzer and biggest fucking slap in the face they didn't
0: give an award that year. Oh yeah. I heard, I remember I, that. Yeah. That, that was kind of like, damn.
1: Yeah. Can you imagine the the snobbery involved there? with like, no one gets it. This right. Thing, monocle drops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's
1: pretty good. But maybe I, maybe I get it a little bit because I'm struggling with the book and it's, it's not blowing me away. Like, uh, like her short story did.
0: Right. So
1: I don't know. That's stuff I'm reading.
0: I, I did catch up on one, one of my favorite films. I watch every couple of years is, um, 24-hour party people oh my god i never i've never seen that oh man it's fucking great i've seen the the
1: poster for it and the, the cover many many times and i always mistook it for party monster
0: yeah i i, I kind of it's i think it's kind of the same era it's like 2002 or something yeah yeah it's it's i think it's hilarious it's also just great it's you know you know you know what it's about essentially
1: uh no i just know the i just know the poster
0: <laughs> okay real quick i don't want to go in for too long but it's um about factory records which is the record company that um had Joy Division on their label and the New Order and eventually the Happy Mondays. And eventually they were poised to be part of the um the electronic music scene in England. And it's a story of uh, Tony Wilson is this um British T V person personality guy who's like host of a, a, a news show who also was like the, the the guy who owned the company. And it's the story of him involved all these crazy rock and rollers. It starts out like the the Sex Pistols and it goes to like Electronica. And it's this really funny to uh, it's played by um Steve Coogan, who uh, it's very he talks he talks directly to the camera, but Steve Coogan can kind of pull that off. Nice. And it's really funny. Everyone who's British who's been in movies in the late '90s and the early 2000s is in it. They have a small part at the very least. Um, fucking Gollum's in it. He plays like the producer of Joy Division. It's a <laughs> it's a great rock and roll story, but it's it's I'll watch it. Yeah, it's 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 really fun. It's, it, it has the kind of a uh, kind of boogie nights vibe where it's you know a couple decades of all these different creative people. Um, but it also has kind of that um SLC punk thing a little bit too, where there's just so many weird yeah, shifty characters. Sounds,
1: your description sounds. I immediately thought of that. Of that yeah, SLC.
0: but I, I, it's one of those things. I'm like, I think about since uh the two two thousands. What are the films I think are really rewatchable and I love a lot? That's on the list now. There's a, there's a, there's a short list of things like because things you grow up with are just easy to rewatch, and and you know it's hard to beat those numbers.
1: Yeah, I'll have to check it out. That cool. sounds good. I'll squeeze it in before before October. The other thing I, I forgot to bring this up earlier: uh, Have you seen this twisted metal series?
0: I kind of want to. I first I did I totally wrote it off. I didn't see the trailer, and people uh, were talking about it, and I saw a trailer. I was like, it actually, looks kind of stupid fun.
1: It's stupid. I don't know. If it's, <laughs> I don't know if I call it fun. It's definitely stupid. There was some charms to the first. I watched the first episode. Right. I don't think I'm going to go back. I mean, I don't remember the game that well, even though it's right from the era when I was listening to a lot of new metal, you know, right. and that. I remember there was a clown ice cream truck and there was, do you remember the guy Axel, where it's just a guy holding two giant wheels? Yeah. (laughs) So I remember that. And he had like guns on his shoulders. So I remember (laughs) that shit. Um, I was kind of just gonna watch it until I if that Axel guy showed up. But
0: <laughs> just plot, here for Axel.
1: The plot is I don't remember this plot in Twisted Metal either. Because I think you just and drove around and shot each other, but it's, it's basically it's land of the dead. It's that oh. the, ha- the haves, the haves and the have nots, where the haves have the cities, and the have nots are like Liguiziamo in that movie where he's kind of right. scraping by on the outside, <laughs> doing their dirty work, right? Right. Then he, so he realizes like,
0: someday he'll never be considered white. It's like fuck this.
1: Exactly. And it's the guy, um Falcon in the Marvel Universe. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Anthony Mackie. Yeah, he's, he's Captain America now. I'm pretty sure it's Anthony Mackie. Yes, yes, that's him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Anthony Mack. He was in the uh, he was in the the Trippy Brothers. They did that movie Synchronic. He was in that. He definitely goes for it. He's plays kind of a um, like a goon. He's he's. Uh, I guess you'd have to commit to how silly it is, but I don't know. It's uh, there's so many needle drops, dude. Like
0: dude, that shit's gotta stop. I used to love that stuff, but it's 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 the worst one for me was um a slasher horror movie um oh it was like fear street like there the goosebumps oh, for I, like 16 year olds i, I believe it and then it was 90s and like it's really every scene every three minutes there's a new needle drop the song didn't even have a chance to get to a chorus it was just yeah annoying. this
1: has in I, no no bullshit like in the first five minutes and this, and again, you'd think I'd love it because I just said that playing twisted metal, you'd want to hear all these songs probably. It plays Cypress Hill, Rap Superstar, or hmm, maybe yeah. it was rock. It was, it might have been Rock Superstar actually, and uh, Champagne Supernova. Oh shit! At okay. One, at a, one I'm... point, they show him getting the car, and he hits the eject, and a Jerky Boy CD pops out, and I laughed out loud when I saw that. <laughs> that that's certainly a soft spot for the Jerky Boys moment. You know, I don't know if you were. Yeah, I, I, I dabbled.
0: Boys. Sure, he <laughs> <You> dabbled. <laughs>
1: I'm there seven hours early. I pop wheelies. So, I mean, it was, it was a time, right? Like it was like jackass. It was pre jackass, jackass.
0: And it's also the comedy album time, like the Adam Sandler comedy albums, all those things. See you
1: tomorrow with my tools. Fuck face. (laughs)
0: The, The idea of the prank
1: call genre is such a moment that can never come back. I mean, our surveillance states you can't crank you can't crank call anybody anymore
0: i would leave uh high school as freshman year to go to a pay phone with my friends and waste money to prank call f- uh, different uh car dealerships <laughs> <laughs> and they they kind of expected us and they would kind of let us go for a little bit
1: <laughs> they're like yeah we saw crank yankers do what you gotta do yeah was like- yeah the uh <laughs> the the star 69 ruined it you know i was reluctant to give it up everybody i knew was constantly harassing people on the phone (laughs) it's so such an ugly time i had a list of numbers of people that i was mad at for whatever reason (laughs) to go back to your theory earlier of all of my too many arch villains in my life yes and even going back to junior high i would call and hang up from like pay phones or other people's random public phones it was like the weakest reign of terror of all time <laughs> but anyway the show is just not it's just stupid nev campbell shows up she does uh i don't know if you remember she's certainly the 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 pioneer of breathe acting where she's uh, yeah. whatever she, and it's that breathe acting thing is just rampant and i i blame her for it but i remember her being kind of a decent actress I don't, maybe I'm remembering wrong.
0: Scream and um, in a uh, wild things and stuff. Wild yeah. things,
1: yeah. I remember thinking she was pretty good, but here it's so weird. It's like a, it's like a civilian wandered onto the set. It's like she's <laughs> never acted in her life.
0: a civilian, that's great. Um, if you
1: pull up the the scene with Nev Campbell talking to the main dude, to Mackie, and um, and you'll be like, who? I, I can't. Did they, she never saw the script until that moment? I don't get it. It's maybe some the, of the worst acting.
0: Maybe out. the muscles atrophy because she hasn't done anything for a while besides a could scream be. every four <laughs> years. Yeah,
1: it could be so. Yeah, I can't recommend it. The, the high point for me was them injecting a jerky boy CD
0: after that. After that. Yeah, we that's bad. That's the we, high phrase.
1: We should definitely get to the topic at hand. We're here to talk about Christine, which had a, a resurgence back in the theater. Um, there was a limited run here, and I went to um. I went to the theater to see it. I don't know if, uh, did I ever show you, I may have sent it to you that uh, for my birthday one year, I'm such a Christine super fan that my sister got me a cameo Happy birthday greeting from the kid, the guy who plays Moochie? No, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'll send it to you. So you remember Moochie, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you like that,
1: Dick Face? So he <laughs> still he still has that voice. Oh, that's, that he, that's and great. And he does the the cameo thing. He didn't know I don't know who he thought I was as far as like my age or my excitement over him or Christine, but he's fully committed to his happy birthday greeting. I'll, I'll he basically says like Happy birthday, young man, and he tells like stories from the set of christine it was hilarious this so is, that that's what gives you that's my my credentials as far as christine this is fantastic big fan of that. Movie. i think it's the best adaptation and i would put it up there with the shining as far as uh satisfaction after watching it but um yeah stephen king was having a weird moment so i thought it'd be a good time to revisit it we we went to see uh we went to see it in the theater and that didn't work didn't work out we Why? took the we took the baby the, baby oh. is, the baby's just a few months old and we put the head we had the headphones because I tried this with Hazel when she was a baby we tried to go see uh stars born as of our return to the theater back then and it was it was an IMAX and that was stupid. It was, we, we had the, we pulled out the phone to do the decibel check and it was dangerous for any human being to be in that. Theater. <laughs> so, like, fuck. so we immediately left. Right. So this time we got the headphones ready for this baby and, uh, we, you know, we think we're all set. And we go in there and everybody was mad. They saw us. <laughs> Not that there was a lot of people. When, when I bought the tickets, we were the only tickets. Nobody bought any tickets to see. Nobody, I thought nobody else gives a shit. Right. So I thought it'll be all right. And if we, if the baby, the ax up, will leave and nobody else is going. So that, that's how I justified it. So when we get there, there's probably about, I don't know, 10 people in various little pods. And we sit down and immediately the baby goes and ramps up and cries mm-hmm. and the, <laughs> the people behind us to the left i hear him go like are you fucking kidding me
0: <laughs> Ooh.
1: and i can't i can't really blame him you know like what, yeah, what, i mean what were we thinking she immediately the babe immediately quiets down and i think it was just because the trailer was loud the movie kicks in and we're talking moronic levels of decibels They've cranked it up so fucking loud. I don't know if you, well, you just watched it. So it yeah. opens with just like a
0: <laughs> car I, I love it, actually. That's a, such a cool thing he did. Yeah, You hear the, you hear the switch? Yeah.
1: So imagine that. It just cranked so loud. (laughs) Amy's like, no, no, I'm not sitting through this. So we sat there for a minute as the, the engine just continues to rev. And Amy's just kind of looking at me like, are you going to pull the plug here or am I? So I was like, fuck it. And we left. And luckily we went to the, up to the desk and said, yeah, we were dumb and, um, we thought this was going to work, and they gave us the refund. So that's cool. Yes, so I immediately went home and watched. I've got it up at home. That's, Did you force uh, the baby to so watch scary. it at home with you?
0: I should I have like so you get sit <laughs> motherf- her down
1: right in front of it. Like you're going to get used to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought
0: and you're going to say you know she she shit herself, and then she'd actually be like a shitter, like they always say shitter in the movie a bunch.
1: <laughs> that would make yeah that would make sense. But yeah, we were we we're almost going to be some some content. Like I, I could just imagine somebody films it like these assholes brought a baby to a horror movie and uh oh that's yeah, good it could, have, it could have went bad but so that was a big mistake but uh, i was e- eager to see it in the theater because uh i watched it with amy probably 10 years ago and she said that she hated it and i knew she had to be wrong like i'm sure people have their own opinions <laughs> about movies but i knew that right. that just could not be accurate and uh I, this was a chance to you know see it in all its glory it's all its widescreen john carpenter sure. lord um so we tried to replicate that at home we turned out the lights we um, you know, we got the popcorn, we stripped down Nice. Uh, and, uh, it was, she, when it was over, she's like, you're right. That was, that was pretty good. But then again, you know, do you kick a guy when he's down? I didn't get to see him in the theater. So <laughs> I, I but mean, she she admitted that it was way better than she remembered it. She remember she says, I just don't like it when cars rev their engines. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I mean, her only memory of it. She said, I thought it was more about like a talking car. No, no, that's, I don't know what you saw. It
0: wasn't this. What's funny? Like it's a it's a really good movie. It is, but it's really hard to kind of um to convince somebody it's better than the premise because you like it's a car the that kills people. Yeah, and it's like tough. yes, and I think Drunk Carpenter's smartest move was unlike the book. He goes, "There's no fucking reason. It just it's just alive and it kills people. It's evil. There's just no explanation. It's not haunted. Nothing. It's, it's Michael Myers. There's no reason, and he's really yeah. good at that."
1: I think that that's why I think it is the most successful one, because, you know, even The Shining has some some like ghosts and cobwebs in in it. And that kind of supernatural stuff just takes me right out of the idea of the idea of him going stir crazy. uh, And I can buy him talking to the ghost at the behind the bar. And I love the movie, honestly. Yeah. But when it tries to turn into a haunted house, I just get kind of bored with it. And uh, this movie does what Carpenter does best, which is there is, like you said, no reason they and. Plus the, the dilemma of these characters trying to come to terms with what must be happening. Um, and in the, the book, honestly, it is a ghost story. So the book doesn't even do what Carpenter's movie does, which is everybody knows what's happening, but they can't say it. They, right. and they, they, they dance around it. They want to accuse him, but you know there's no way he could have done it. He's got proof that he's not around when these things happen. So when the cop is and Harry D- Dean Stanton wants to just come out and say, "I know this car did this," <laughs> right? They don't want to accept the ludicrous premise, and the movie never falters as far as taking it very serious
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. If if one character said kind of says it, it would just take the air out of it. Um, it's funny. I I think about it I think about this today. Okay, so Stephen King been adapted so many times i kind of think it's like carrie the shining and christine are the ones that are, and the dead zone are, yes. are the are the good theatrical movies and they're all they all have very strong directors really uh adapting them like they're really putting their own stamp on it um yeah and i agree yeah it's, it,
1: it's top tier carpenter i think but i think very top tier if not the top king adaptation i would say it's a triple on a more forgiving day because it's kubrick and nicholson and because there's so many moments in that that are better than anything i would say it's a triple tie with the shining and Carrie. but after that i think king adaptations just don't cut it
0: Um, no i think partly because he gets so much clout people are afraid to um really change things or move them around enough or, or something but it's for me it's like because uh, yeah,
1: well you've heard that of course because these are the those are the three best you know like stephen king doesn't like them or he doesn't he thought he thought christine was boring he <laughs> said he famously calls it boring says that he says that he enjoys the shittier adaptations so that the grosser ones the better but the serious ones he thinks are dull um which is I guess makes sense when you look at his music reviews. If you, uh, did you (laughs) back when he used to review music for entertainment weekly?
0: Yeah. I think you, you also mentioned recently on Facebook, like he like Buckeye cherry or some shit was his pick of the year. He
1: loves loves Buck cherry.
0: Yeah. but He
1: has, but uh, but it it makes sense that he doesn't, if he has bad taste, it makes sense that he doesn't like his own best stuff. It doesn't mean like, it's not like uh, basketball coaches are almost always former basketball players. Uh, an amazing writer doesn't necessarily have to be an amazing reader. Or... Yeah,
0: or even like you can be really uh, have great taste in one of the arts, but also have terrible taste in like something else. Like he could like, doesn't basically he's a great writer. doesn't I mean, he likes good music or whatever.
1: Yeah, his opinion on his own stuff is completely destroyed by the fact that he prefers the tv version of the shining which is
0: atrocious yeah i actually only watched the first half of that I was like, oh, i can't do this God.
1: with like, where tony is this floating happy dude yeah it's
0: <laughs> but as i say with with, with the carpenter of it like, you know I, I have another podcast called a uh, uh, five-star autopsy and I, I did john carpenter and i go through people's whole career and i kind of say well i think they had a great run here and then they kind of maybe had a dud or a miss and then maybe they come back or whatever so with carpenter i do love christine but i wouldn't say top tier for me i think it's middling carpenter i think he's still he's right after the thing I yeah but
1: that's that's got to be a part of his run right at least or is that the end of his run for you
0: so i think he basically the continuous run the end is christine but he comes back for a couple movies but they're all like um they're all isolated. Uh, and Christine is not, a, again, it's not a bad movie. But I think it's it's really tough to come from the heights of the thing to Christine. I feel like he's a little, he's playing a little safe, for Christine, a little bit. Like, there's definitely some Carpenter flavor. He does the music. Um, we mentioned the intro with the ignition sound. And I love... The car talking through rock and roll songs—it's all really fun. But it does feel like he, uh, he, you know, he went crazy on the thing. Didn't make a lot of money. Studio is a little pissed. He lost his uh, Stephen King adaptation he wanted to do, which is Firestarter, which is not a great story either. But he's but if only- you
1: real quick, if you have you seen Firestarter lately?
0: No, I've not it watched it since so I...
1: so much like a John Carpenter movie. I don't know if there's
0: it stuff has... he filmed. It... Oh, you mean even the look? That's say like the story it... really lends itself to his thing.
1: It looks like a Carpenter movie. It feels like a Carpenter movie. It even has the synth score. I wonder if it's like, because he ghost writes some stuff or takes his name off stuff. You know, like like when Spielberg secretly directed Poltergeist or whatever. Right. It feels like a Carpenter movie in every way. And he does it right after The Thing and Christine and The Thing. And honestly, Firestarter looks great. It's got the feel the feel of, of his stuff so i wonder if dean it,
0: dean cundy his like longtime cinematographer actually did that one that would be kind of funny if that's like part of the look that he did the uh, Firestarter. maybe like he, he was already attached like, like they had the carpenter team you know and then carpenters out but they kind of kept those guys i don't know
1: like halloween three where like is that another secret carpenter movie because that feels exactly like a john carpenter
0: movie. oh it's funny it's, that, that one's directed by i think tommy wallace thomas wallace who's like he worked with john carpenter on halloween one and a bunch of his other movies and so see, it might
1: be like uh, clint eastwood brings in his buddies but right takes it away from him
0: or even stallone stallone's notorious for like on a bunch yeah. of his movies he he directs them basically he has some other guy do all the, the shit work but he's the one to call he makes the call i could see that man like christine though i will say this like nobody else would have made such a good movie out of again it's it's a really hard premise to get past in a lot of ways although it's funny essentially it's, it's duel it's St- steven spielberg's duel which rules it's a, yeah. a car and in, in duel, it's 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 more ambiguous like you the car probably has a driver you just never see him but it's
1: you do see that driver don't you eventually Wait,
0: do you in dual yeah i think okay well that, that's that was a like bad the, call it's
1: more like the car which is a really bad version of christine <laughs> uh but i have fond memories of the car i don't but know if you've ever seen that one
0: what's, the, what's who's in the car what's the car
1: um who's the guy uh james brolin's in it i think okay heard of he's him the yeah sheriff. uh the guy who plays uh the guy in total recall who says uh i'm gonna fuck you up and be home in time for cornflakes yeah that guy he's in it i think he's in the car <laughs> it's one of those sort of forgotten 70s movies but it's about an evil car there's a lot of moments in that i i think that uh the cars uh, was the trial run for that story it, it's interesting how Carpenter had trouble with the thing, went back and redid it or whatever, and that's maybe that's why it's his best movie because it was so fussed over. And I think the fog he they said he went back and had to refilm a bunch of stuff, and I think it yeah. looks great, feels great. And I and from what I was reading, uh, Christine, they went back that he finished it, and they didn't have any of those morphing effects of the car reconstituting itself. He Thank did it. God,
0: off. <laughs> it's all yeah, reverse it with,
1: Without it, I don't understand how because you have to see it
0: and it's one of the best scenes of the movie when he when uh show me yeah show me it was the name arnie yeah yeah arnie says show me and like so if i remember correctly it's reverse footage and they used um suction to make the metal uh like go inward yeah. and then it looks like it's going outward um yeah i guess none of that stuff was in it that he got together with his effects guy after it was done and
1: said, let's make some orgasmic car morphing <laughs> scenes. And they, they're they great because it's weirdly enough, they don't spoil the illusion of the intangible nature of the threat, even though we see it now moving on its own. Because when you see it moving on its own all through the movie, they blacked out the windows, which I never noticed until this viewing. Right. I guess I never really looked for Arnie in it because I just knew he wasn't in the car, but they made sure that you never knew if he was in it or not. Right. And I, I think that there was this sort of version of them, I, or at least some, maybe the, the test audiences revolted on it. But there's a weird moment where I think you weren't supposed to know that he was actually in the car at the end. I think you're supposed to get used to the idea that he's never in the car. And in the book, he's not in the car. At right. The, at the end, he's not in the at the car at the big the big battle I, yeah so when he flies through the window i think that was supposed to be a shock that oh fuck he was in there um but they but carpenter does this weird thing where before that happens they show him behind the wheel with his crazed look in his face like the shitters and <laughs> it, it spoils the surprise of him flying through the windshield which would have been a great way to do that
0: yeah that, that would have been a nice shock i, I will say that actor is a brian Gordon or something like that. What's...
1: Yeah. he went on to be a director. Yeah.
0: And he's great in this movie. Like he's, I love them in dress to kill. He's kind of fun in jaws too. He doesn't really do much, but he looks cool. But um, he's he's just really good. Like he, I um, I buy it actually, because even when he's he becomes like cool, Arnie, he's really not cool. He's like he's like when, when a dorky guy like comes back over the summer yeah. and is trying to be cool.
1: Let's motivate. People. Yeah,
0: and such a light beer. <laughs> and it, like his interactions with his folks, because you know his mom comes off really terribly. Um, you get where he why he's like this to a point. I think the only yeah, bad the, casting the whole,
1: the whole Scrabble. Uh, dilemma
0: it's <laughs> <laughs> so good um I think he's a fine actor he's just kind of got a potato face uh his best friend who's like the good guy in the movie it's like I wish he looks, looked more interesting because half the movie is his face the other guy yeah. um
1: uh, um Dennis
0: yeah yeah he
1: he went on to be a director
0: too oh cool he's a fine actor he has kind of a kevin bacon thing going like his yeah it's funny amy was
1: endeared to him more than uh more than arnie she she felt that arnie was unsympathetic because of how poorly he was treating everybody as he was you know going (laughs) to the dark side but as far as dennis she made some comment when she's watching like i kind of like this kid you know he, he questions authority he sticks up for his buddy even more so in the book where the book is sectioned off into three points of view right and so you Den- you get right into his head but the i think the movie is kind of is de- like you said it's dennis heavy and uh he is kind of kind of dull compared to arnie but i would agree that he's a he's like a nice guy he was likable i don't know if you saw this that the, the one who plays his girlfriend was um had a twin sister who uh no they played the- jokes on carpenter and brought her to the set uh, this is the,
0: the baywatch lady yes
1: I guess she has oh. a twin, she has a twin sister, and it, it's such a Carpenter reaction to this. So as a joke, they're doing the the climax with the with the truck, and they bring the sister in and, and put her up in the truck, and they start doing they start filming some scenes, and the crew knows, but Carpenter doesn't know. And uh, he pulls somebody aside and says something to the effect of "What?" She says I'm like something's wrong with her eyes today. She's she's just not something. She's sick.
0: She's just
1: <laughs> not doing well. And then they spring it on him and they're like ah ha ha, and there's a picture i guess from the set where the sister is sitting there and he and Carver's looking right at her like something's wrong and they (laughs) asked there's an interview in the making of there's a documentary and they ask him about it and he says it was like those pod people i thought that she'd been replaced i couldn't figure out why she suddenly wasn't any good at her job. (laughs) She looked just slightly different. Maybe it was drugs. I couldn't. So yeah, it's, it was fun. They thought it would be this fun. And instead he's like, oh no, she's strung out.
0: (laughs) I love it, man. I mean, it makes, it makes total sense. I mean, he's the guy who made the thing. It's yeah. He's he's, (laughs) he's endlessly fascinating to me. Like I uh, was watching a a clip from him uh, on the set of Halloween and just, he was bagging on George Lucas and Spielberg and he doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I He's saw like, that. That interview Jaws, just yeah. tears him to
0: shreds. He's like, Jaws is pretty good, but then close encounter, what, what is this? And it's
1: just like, it's just great. Like, yeah, which is funny because Starman is his close encounters in so many ways.
0: But. Oh, yeah. That really felt like, and it's funny. I, I actually, I've not rewatched Starman. I, I liked it as a kid. I, I, I kind of think it isn't a cynical thing. I think he was just trying to do something a little different. And it it kind of lent itself to that Spielberg thing. But Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a total like, well, Spielberg beat me with E.T., so I'll just try to make E.T.,
1: Yeah. And plus, if I can't imagine how frustrated you would be with like the Spielbergs and the Lucases and all that whole California crew where he seems like a scrappier doing himself kind of guy that it must have seemed like this monolith uh, blockbusters just rolling over the landscape.
0: Yeah, I could see why he like, you know, doing his 10th film still with like a small ass budget and like... A thirty day shoot, just like God damn it! Like, what am I doing wrong here? Even though you know, yeah. almost everything became a huge cult classic at least ten years later.
1: Maybe he's coming back, is what they were. I was reading something oh, about he's gonna well, do, do. I
0: don't know, man. I just saw a trailer for he put his name on these uh series oh, of yeah, it's bad. It's like these uh real life uh crime cases that they've been um dramatized into a TV uh, episodes, and I I don't when. think he. I think he simply put his name on it, but I saw a trail. I was like, well, John,
1: I just, he just needs to put his name on some pinball machines and be
0: done with it. Right. But I, I loved him torn with his kid. I think that was a great, weird, like second career, but I guess he needs more money for those Moog synthesizers or something, you know?
1: <laughs> right. I was surprised. Uh, I can't, I always forget Harry Dean Stanton is in this.
0: I love seeing him in anything. His face and is so interesting.
1: Yeah. When he shows up, it just elevate. It's a, I already love it, but it just elevates it. Such a confident presence. And he makes a great cop in this, too, which I've never, I don't think I've ever seen. That's not true. He was a cop in, uh, was it Pretty in Pink? <laughs> he
0: should have been. What was he a cop in? He what, was was uh, it Slam Dance? Wait, what the hell is Slam Dance? What's Slam Dance?
1: Oh my God, you haven't seen Slam Dance. We got to do, we got to do a pod on that one. What it's, else? um, yeah. I'm not even gonna, I'm gonna let you experience that one on your own. But yeah, he is a cop in slam dance uh, where he knows what's. he does the same thing in that where he kind of knows what's going on. He's a step ahead, but he can't really come out and say it. I was actually so obsessed with his that moment where he questions him. You know, after the after Moochie, my my buddy <laughs> Moochie gets squashed, and Arnie's being real sarcastic about it. He's like, isn't that what you do with shit? Scrape it up with a shovel, right? Harry Dean Stan can't come out and say what he suspects because it sounds insane. Because he has receipts that he wasn't there, and and back in high school we had we were supposed to do some sort of presentation. I don't even know how back in the eighties you could do anything in class so i some for some reason i was showing them a scene from christine as my assignment and i showed them that scene and tried to explain to the class like why it was so good because they couldn't say what they wanted to say which was that their a car was alive and so i'm saying to the class i'm like so what are they saying in this scene they're not like they, they're not saying what's really there this was me stumbling onto subtext right. without knowing what subtext was
0: right I'm like what is the, the
1: cop's <laughs> theory he can't say the theory that you didn't <laughs> fix the car? That it fixed itself? What are they saying? And of course, the class is saying to me, what are you saying? We don't understand your presentation. <laughs> and the teacher is saying to me, like, is this a report about the book or the movie? What are we doing here?
0: Uh, I actually <laughs> told,
1: that, told that to Amy uh after we got out of the movie when I was talking about it. She's like, and so, and so started a lifetime of misunderstandings.
0: <laughs> I was going to say the same basis. Uh, that, that set you on your path. That seems like everything you're about. <laughs> that's like <laughs> your... Um, Johnny Cash movie it's like you need to play me one song that's going to be everything you have and you're like Fuck it, let's go follow <laughs> me
1: I, I, nobody was following the point I was trying to make so I had to give him the old razzle dazzle by just showing him the car chase scene with like the fire stuff
0: good save that, that part is and pretty tur- and
1: I turned down the volume when the, the kid from Ghostbusters flips him off and says asshole <laughs> and again the teacher's like what are we doing here What what is the point of this presentation
0: I will say real quick though the bully crew fascinates me like You got the guy from Ghostbusters with the huge hair. You got um, Danzik, who's like um, 38 years old, and he's like the head bully. And then you have the little skinny red-haired guy who's actually in Friday the 13th Part 2 as the jokester. Oh.
1: He was a part of his his dipshit career well only
0: like at the very beginning when they're in the shop class he's probably just another kid in class who's kind of laughing he's like almost participating in the bad stuff but he kind of doesn't but he's just he's a notable because he's like that's the only other the only two films i've ever seen that kid in
1: oh is he the one who gets killed at the gas station
0: no it, oh wait yeah i Where think he's
1: standing next to the car and he he gets wiped out
0: he might be i was gonna say when you first said killed i was like well he actually survives friday the 13th part two but you're talking about christine yeah. and i gotcha. Um
1: they're just amazing bullies in this movie. I it's they're such Stephen King bullies. It's, they're needlessly cruel and psychotic. He just has this thing about Greasers that are oh yeah evil greasers as Stephen King's just like
0: it's funny I've heard people there. critique like when when the first it came out and the bullies were really hardcore and they pull a knife out I heard people critique that like it's so crazy I'm like not to me I've yeah I, no <laughs> I, I've i I've had kids in like uh sixth grade pull a switchblade out like it, that should happens I and mean, not just
1: that there's the it's like the, the banality of evil where you, you can't right. if kids are stupid. They'll accidentally kill you, but that's that scary shit that you have with bullies where they want to, they're riding the moment where I think they would push it and they would accidentally kill you or yeah. have to and have to back up. And I think Stephen King got that shit, right? I think that, uh, Maybe they're, they're a little over the top or they're a little old. I'll give them that.
0: Yeah. Especially the main but, guy who's like super ripped. But, I'm like, you look like a fucking like Conan novel cover. Like, buddy so, Rapperton. He's a yeah, hey, he cyber like and huge.
1: meaner older brother.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Um, but you know, well, also they, seeing Stephen King photos of him when he's young, like yeah, man, you probably got the shit beat out of you, like by greaser yeah. dudes. Like, I I could totally see that happening.
1: I think that's why his best. Uh, well, in The Shining, in the book, the what drives the Jack Torrance crazy, but pre hotel, is um, battle with some teen psychos. They like knife his car or something, hmm. and. The, The story sometimes they come back. Right. um I think that really that short story. I remember loving that story as far as just the creepy nature of of greasers as just the ultimate evil. But there's (laughs) it's probably my favorite part of the movie is when Dennis gets injured at the football game and they stand up and clap in the in the stands. And the all the bullies are like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Just the fact that the bullies are going to the game and then cheering (laughs) for the other team is just amazing. That's got to be like a that's. <laughs> a High point of eighties bullydom.
0: It's actually I actually kind of didn't even put that together yet. They went to the game, like really. <laughs> what are yeah.
1: they doing there? And they sh- when they show them, they look bored.
0: Right. They're just they're
1: leaning, they're leaning on their their ha- heads and their hands, like ugh, this sucks. And then well, let's say to the,
0: the whole greaser element. It really helps. I really love like one. of I think it might be the last line of the movie. Um, she goes, I hate rock and roll.
1: Yeah, there seems to be a thesis going on there, doesn't there? Like the idea of something. Of, it's an indictment of that kind of George Thorogood. Riff at the beginning right the the kind of swagger i don't know there's some there is something there it's not quite fleshed out um did you see that uh it was the hard times article it said uh, it was something like oh shit a guy with a beard just came in the bar to the bad to the to the bone riff they're like i don't know what's gonna happen but when he leaves we're all gonna be here and born to be wild
0: oh god that's good i was gonna say is this the first usage in film of that song um i
1: don't i I don't think it could because like it's gotta be in something else
0: What's funny to me is like I, I associate it as a kid of T2, when I know it happened, that comes out years later. That song, the song itself is a funny song. Like, intentionally, there are lyrics which are very, like, the whole point of it is yeah, kind of. Yeah, like
1: he's got a human skull, snake for a neck. Yeah.
0: It, the fucking head nurse comes around and says, Leave that one alone. It's, that's really funny. I, it, so it's like the song itself kind of is supposed to be kind of funny but it's such an ironic song now it's like almost always yeah. used like that um i think
1: t2 and uh and christine um i think anybody else that used it used it way later it's just it was played on the radio so much that like you said it's like a parody
0: yeah and it's funny I, I you know we're both uh guns and roses fans but uh hearing welcome to the jungle at sports games it's, it's become kind of that now to a point like when you just hear a quick bit of it yeah yeah and, which which yeah i still love that song. i don't care but like it's funny how that happens it, you know Welcome to the Jungle is supposed to be like a real badass thing and it is you know um, Born to be Bad or Bad to the Bone Bad to the Bone sorry yeah um it's funny. It's I think it's he's he's having fun with those lyrics, but the, the whole movie kind of feels like almost like uh, John Carpenter, a little bit saying like "fucking you like Greece now in the eighties, you like you like the fifties again." The fifties sucked. Yeah,
1: yeah. he's I, there's a there's an anger there that you know that bleeds through the book. There, like I said, I, I'm doing like a, a reread of it, and um there's all sorts of interesting changes, and in, not just the fact that they Carpenter just throws out the ghost story in the book. Right. The, the bones are
0: in the back, uh, the trunk, right? Oh,
1: I didn't get to that part. Oh, sorry. Sorry, okay. No, no, I could be wrong. I, I, I no, I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. I know that they people literally see a ghost in the car.
0: Gotcha. But,
1: um there's some solutions to um, the Carpenter did that make a lot of sense. Like the fact that uh, they buy the car from from the weird or Scary. sorry, they buy, they buy the car from the brother of a weirdo. In the book, he buys the car from the guy who dies immediately and then becomes a ghost. In the there's a disconnect or there's like a, an extra layer in the movie where they find the car. Yeah, that that's the part that doesn't work as well, because they, he's George LeBay is the guy who possesses the car.
0: But isn't the thing? arnie starts saying shitter because like that guy right. says that's why it makes no sense right exactly but in the book it's like no he dies and now he's sort of taking over arnie too right yeah, and yeah like, you're yeah. saying
1: you're saying it much better than i was trying to but yeah combining the two characters into one makes LeBay acting weirdly normal but still saying shitter and still saying like sip maybe for pussy he's saying all the quotes Right. So when Arnie becomes possessed, <laughs> why is he becoming possessed like the other brother? Uh, maybe the brother just is likes those quotes. Just, his other brother used to <laughs>
0: say all the time. They're like the same dude. Yeah. yeah. Um. I love the back brace he gives. Uh. That's a scary old man from Home Alone and that's how I I know him?
1: Yes. Dude, that's the part in the book that's amazing that they couldn't use because of their reversal like that. In the book, uh, Arnie starts to realize that the odometer going backwards Mm -hmm. is what's making it heal itself. So when they fuck the car up, he he doesn't just stare at it. He has to push it around. He has to push it around the junkyard. So by doing it, pushing it enough so that the engine can, he fucks up his back and he has to wear the back brace. So they kind of hint that. That's why that guy wears the back brace because whatever is going on like that's how you keep the car alive. So it's going to fuck up your back. So that kind of shit was is awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I kind of
0: well, like that. Although at the same time, I mean, I still love the show me stuff. I mean, that's
1: that's a great scene. It's got yeah. that that synth. Yeah, that very Halloweeny noise.
0: <laughs> exactly. um Yeah, that's. I I still I I love what you just said, but you guys still do the show me stuff. That stuff's so so cool yeah, in the, the movie. show
1: me's great. Like if we if we're doing a script doctor, I would say. They should have not made two characters out of that brother, because then you've got weird moments where Dennis is going to talk to the, he goes and talks to that brother who then tells him about, it. I don't know, there's just so many ways that they could streamline that. And it was needlessly convoluted. And also, of course, the by showing Arnie all ghouled up in the driver's seat, right? the, re- the reveal should absolutely be when he goes through the window. Like, oh shit, he's driving. It's like when Carpenter, I think I argued with you about this once before. In the Mouth of Madness, when that guy with the (laughs) axe is coming to the window. Yeah. It should be one unbroken shot of them talking at the table. And then that guy getting closer and
0: closer and closer. Because when does it cut? It cuts back to them talking. It shows the
1: guy flipping. Yeah, it shows the guy with the weird eyes. And it shows him pick up the axe and go lurching toward. So it ruined. It like steps on his punchline. Like they should have just had an unbroken shot of the two people in the diner talking. And somebody in the distance coming closer and closer and closer until you finally notice it. But he puts in that shot and he gives it away. I don't understand. And he does that with with this movie too by showing Arnie screaming shitters sitting behind the seat. Like <laughs> he just gave it away. The whole question is: Is Arnie doing this, or is the car doing it? And at the at the end, they they combine. In the book, it, I don't know if you remember the ending. That no, he's not anywhere near where they're smashing the car. But there's some sort of epilogue where there's like reports of Arnie and his mother, Arnie and his mom getting in a car. A car wreck but uh, witnesses saw three people wrestling inside the car before the crash
0: so the ones the ghost, supposedly or something yeah the
1: ghost was when it felt that it was going to die in the car it went to back to arnie to try to take him like it was bouncing back and forth trying to stay alive or something i don't know right so yeah so the idea. so carpenter was in one sense he streamlined it perfectly by saying fuck that ghost stuff get that ghost out of here the car is alive um the end but then got weird with the brothers he wisely dumped there's a subplot with darnell there's like an organized crime thing
0: oh really and
1: darnell was gonna he was gonna like blackmail the car or something in the book (laughs) and that's why it killed him it was it's there's a weird subplot with darnell that's like, listen a, here. You drive
0: like for me now. You're gonna be my getaway car. That's, <laughs> yeah, there's that's something, great.
1: There's something weird like that. But honestly, when we were watching it, uh, when it killed Darnell, Amy said something like, Why is he killing that guy? That guy was sticking up for the car, or that guy was <laughs> he chased the kids out of there or something, right? Yeah, he's like, Why'd he kill him? He was sticking up for the car. And I remembered, Oh, because he was gonna turn the car into the cops. <laughs> well, that
0: happens a lot though. When like, there's supposed to be a, like a, a killer in a movie has some sort of like rules, like, like you know, Hannibal, Lecter. if you as long as you don't like, you know, do something disrespectful, they'll let you lives like there's always someone they just randomly kill because they they got to do that in a movie so it almost never works out but when you said script doctor my thing i I would actually would love for more kind of impossible car stuff like when the car crushes itself through the alley to get that kid yeah to get moochie yeah yeah i i would love like i would love the car to somehow get inside the school the high school itself and chase him down the halls and just like the blues brothers in the mall no exactly (laughs) Like honestly, make the Blues Brothers with murder. That's that's the movie Wait, I want to see. No,
1: that's that'd be awesome. Like a land, he, it'd be like a land shark,
0: <laughs> dude. Let's do the sequel, Christine's.
1: <laughs> there's twenty of them. That's, exactly. They said they bought uh, Carpenter put out. Right. Ads, and he bought twenty four Plymouth Furies to fuck them up. Yeah. Um. The, and they only made five thousand of that car. So like that, there's an ethical question there. <laughs>
0: um, How perfect um, is it that they the car looks great? It's also called the Fury. Like, yeah, yeah is... it's
1: ridiculous that in an interview stephen king says well i chose the plymouth fury because it's a forgotten car it's like shut up you picked it because right. it's called fury yeah all through the book they keep saying stuff like his unending fury um <laughs> there's also a weird note uh i noticed the um on the assembly line they're all all the cars are white except for that one mm. that's because apparently they didn't make them red those five thousand furies i think they were all unless you custom asked for it they only made them in white weird isn't that weird i guess back then it was you didn't have so many choices with the kind of car that came off the assembly line. So a white Fury was the standard, which is not a very. It's, it gets less scary by the second. I don't it?
0: know if you, if you call the movie White Fury. You got <laughs> you got some headlines all, just just with that. Um, speaking of which, so the guy who kills who 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 ashes his cigar in the car. How do you think he killed him? Um, that was
1: some. There was some debate about that in the house. Uh, the I think it just crushes him against the steering wheel
0: because it can it can move. Almost any way it really wants to, like unlike a real car, right? Like it can kind of more, crush, its, move like, its own seats. Yeah.
1: But it, also, he was trapped in it, and. Well, he also crushed Darnell. So, Mm -hmm. okay, that's what I'm. I'm getting confused. So we we see it crushed Darnell against the steering. That other guy, maybe it can like back channel its own carbon dioxide. I don't know.
0: That's only it makes sense to me. But it's like it's fine. You you really don't need an answer. But it was one of those weird things. Like, okay, so what happened there?
1: I heard there was some other theory on the internet where that guy had disrespected the car because uh, it's it seems kind of a stretch. But the first guy that gets the hand cut off was because he was reaching under her skirt I right think it's sort of, i've heard one, that and then the second guy was checking out her ass and that because I, I didn't notice but the rearview mirror maybe moves a little bit to, to to see him when he's looking at the back of the car the the dude that ashes right. in the front seat but i think i think it's just the dropped ashes on the front seat and that's probably the method of death is if there's smoke he's smoking in the car maybe it just made it impossible for him to breathe right when he opens the door doesn't isn't there kind of a swirl of smoke comes out hey. I don't
0: maybe i there's it's a small one, but you know I'll, I'll again, I can accept this. I'll let it go. I'm a guy who likes maximum overdrive, and that makes no sense,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's where I might agree with Stephen King if he likes his shittier adaptations. I like watching that
0: movie. <laughs> oh, I mean, the kid getting ran over by the steamroller every yeah. time. Just loving it.
1: Yeah, he Stephen King has something for big weird vehicles. As far as trucks, uh, do you ever read the short story "Trucks" that Maximum Overdrive is based on?
0: No, I, I. No one's ever said like this is really good. Is it good? It's good because it's serious. There, you know, the Maximum okay.
1: Overdrive is full of goofy jokes and it's corny. Right. Uh, trucks is, you know, he takes it very seriously. So in that sense, it's great. Do you listen to
0: ACDC when you read it? Does that help?
1: (laughs) Right. He loves those riffs. But yeah, (laughs) uh, it makes, there's an attempt to make trucks scary. And that's another thing about the movie and book difference is that there's like a history of the truck that battles Christine. And this is, you're going to roll your eyes right out of your head. Stephen King wanted to make it like a cat fight between two women because the truck, the truck was a septic truck named petunia and it was pink and what? so Chris, christine versus petunia is the big battle in the book i know isn't that it's just a groaner
0: uh you know what though i mean i like godzilla <laughs> movies i guess maybe save for the sequel you know so they they wisely turned that into just
1: a big bulldozer i actually googled it because i didn't know what a a septic truck was um and and when i read the book in high school i didn't know what it was either but i never googled it wasn't available it was the time the jerky boys we could only (laughs) we could call someone and ask them but yeah the uh, i googled it and it's uh it's kind of what you think it is I guess like a kind of looks like a cement truck but it's what you suck out all the shores with and this is is really vile I, I actually found a pink one because it's very just dis- it's clearly labeled as pink in the in the book and on the internet I did find a I googled pink septic truck and there's a service called stinky pinky <laughs> I mean just I love there's, no, also, no.
0: Oh, there's a lot of construction sites of, of the, um, uh, portables you know uh, portable uh, toilets and one, one's called Throne King oh, <laughs> it's gorgeous I love it
1: we've got a hot wheel here that Hazel loves it's called Poop King it's got two little porta johns that go flying when we Poop race King? Around. really? that's it? that's the crazy it's got the Poop King truck mm-hmm. did you watch um the deleted scenes by any chance?
0: I don't think so what's, what's, what's on deleted scenes anything good? There's anything some, juicy? there's some
1: gold in there there's a callback joke that makes sense now that you watch the deleted scenes in the car when Arnie's talking about Scrabble right he uh he's telling uh dennis dirty limericks so that's why he brings him the book of dirty limericks at oh, the hospital at the end when he comes yeah. in and says 1001 dirty limericks and okay he, and i guess it makes more sense that that was the, a lingering part of their friendship was they told each other dirty limericks so that and it's just one second i don't know why they cut it maybe because there was uh, there's an issue of how many times you can swear in the movie i don't know, but it's already rated r i don't know i mean why.
0: john Carpenter's is a lean and mean guy he just cuts any he fluff usually yeah brutal
1: with his own stuff um there's some extra buddy repertin bullying that's just fucking gold where he's <laughs> the 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 moment when he stabs his yogurt
0: yes so good
1: that scene is three times as long where he's <laughs> making, it's impossible it's so long already <laughs> it's So long. it's three times as long where you, you could tell somebody said okay buddy you know you can sell us this on this yogurt murder he does all these obnoxious hand motions pretending to stab the yogurt but not quite stabbing the, it's a, it's amazing it's <laughs> it's I would say first of all it's very realistic bullying where right. somebody doesn't want that moment to end and an a plus for believable torment of Arnie like I'm not um, look at me I'm am I stabbing the yogurt I'm not quite stabbing the
0: yogurt yeah I say so, arnie's eyes in the in the the existing scene are already sell it so well is this so like this is the mean why are you killing my yogurt why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's in there. There's also an Arnie's breakdown that um in the book there's a big breakdown where people have shit on him all day and then uh they they call, they're this, they've they've literally then they literally shit on his dashboard. Right. But no, at the very beginning, he's just it shows a, the terrible day in the day of Arnie, right? The opening of the of the movie and the book is here's this person that the world just despises in the movie he has a breakdown in the car with dennis where he starts crying and punching the dashboard and like i can't take this shit i think they should have kept it because like when amy was saying he was unsympathetic it would kind of tip the scales a little bit in his favor like that's why he's corrupt right he isn't corrupted just because he wants to be an asshole greaser he's corrupted because he can't take it he can't take that everybody treats him like shit. So that, they have kept, that's a good, it's a good scene. This is right before and right after. I think they keep, but that moment when he flips out, they don't keep it. Um, there's also, they double up on the cast signatures, which they, I, can't, I don't know why they didn't keep this either. He's trying to prove that aren't there's something wrong with Arnie, that he's changing into LeBay's brother or whatever. Hmm. So he tricks him into signing his cast a couple times to see if the signature's changing. Oh,
0: crazy. Isn't
1: that cool? And so that's why there's a moment in it, I don't know if it's, they Kept that line where he says, "You know, sign my cast He's like, "I thought I already did." He's like, "Whatever," and he's sort of aloof about it, but he does it. that's the actually idea, that is pretty cool. Yeah, that's a clever idea, and I, it's definitely in the book, and it's done well because they they also have a character moment where he sees that Lee has signed the cast already, and so it's not just arbitrary. Right, you're also getting more mileage out of it where he gets jealous. He's like, "Oh, she was in here." And then there's a moment where he sees him and her together, and he flips out.
0: Oh, wait, he, Dennis or no, Arnie flips out. Arnie
1: like does. Yeah. They're, they're like trying to they're both sad because arnie's left their lives right he's comforting her in the car and he pulls up next to him and he's like you shit <laughs> and harry dean stan is saying you got to fix that backwards odometer it's against the law <laughs> which is a that i can see why that got dropped because it's just weird all sorts of questions like is that against the law <laughs> and does that mean it's against the law to have a car that heals itself or what does he say there and there's also a cameo of george thorogood really he, he's the one who drops the crushed car cube i guess <laughs>
0: Oh what? Wait. So but in the the actual film, you can't see him.
1: Yeah, you just see his hand drop it. Maybe. So, so George Thurgood,
0: he was a baseball player who became a, a rock star, right?
1: Something like that. But they they asked him about it. And he said, "My I couldn't even do. I had one line and I fucked it up." So I was gonna but say it, like, yeah. he admitted it was bad. But dude, the absolute best thing in the deleted scenes. You did you see? What was Vince Vaughn and uh, uh, Cellblock ninety nine? Oh yeah,
0: brawl and Cellblock, Yeah yeah yeah. Do you remember when he
1: beats up the car? Oh, of course. Yeah. Like the the car smash stage in Street Fighter (laughs) 2. Yeah, exactly. The the scene where the bullies in Christine uh, fuck up his car is much longer. And it's amazing.
0: Oh, that's great. Really?
1: And it takes forever. And there's some struggles to do the damage to it like you would have in real life. Right, and um, it shows Muchi taking a shit on the dashboard.
0: Wait, how do they do? his
1: face. He's facing the camera, and he drops his pants, and he goes, he's like grunting. <laughs> I've never shit angry. I, I, yeah. I, 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 guess well, that's, I that's, it's a phenomenon. If you've ever you read a lot of true crime, a lot of places that are burglarized, they'll find a floater because the adrenaline makes you shit.
0: Oh, I was, just, I, I, I thought it was a cruelty thing. I guess you're just like you, just kind of pumped that moochie seemed to
1: be doing it it seemed to be a a, a very aggressive shit <laughs> i actually
0: i suspect moochie's only role in the gang is they need a guy who shit with at a drop of a hat and so he's like this is our shitter this is our little so, yeah. shitter he's
1: the literal shitter he's got he does it on <laughs> command
0: oh let's, let's feed him a bunch of fiber all day mooch <laughs> mooch here's some coffee let's uh that's let's such a gu-
1: the fact that he cut that i, I just want to be in that conference you know where it's like well there's going to be a reveal later when he says they shit on the dashboard. We don't want to. We don't want to overplay our hand. Like show him shitting on the dashboard. Here's
0: a fun brain exercise. Okay, let's say uh, the thing is a huge hit, and for some reason John Carpenter doesn't do Firestar. He still does Christine. What's the difference? Does he keep the shit scene? Is it is more money? Is it like
1: maybe? I th- I, that's I think that we'll maybe we can do a hashtag release the Moochie cut release the <laughs> release the shit the <laughs> release the dashboard turn cut.
0: Oh, Christine Shitter edition. Shitter edition. <laughs> <laughs> Should have blu-ray. I'm way in.
1: Oh fuck. Yeah. So uh I think uh I don't know, I think I might exhaust our our Christine content. The um the only other thing I read about was John Cusack wanted to be Arnie, but he was too tall.
0: Why is he height wouldn't... a thing? This fucking dig a ditch. They do it all the time, right? ditch. I
1: can I can both see him pulling it off and not pulling it
0: off. Honestly, he, he's already in the '80s. He's already kind of—he wasn't like a jock. He was just kind of a cool, good-looking guy. I just—it probably wouldn't work.
1: I think I could see him. The descent would be interesting, and we've seen him. What was it that he did? He did play somebody where he does flip out like that. What, what am I thinking of?
0: Like in, when he's younger, like the um, endless Summer, not the endless summer. Um,
1: one cruel or one hot summer. Or whatever.
0: Yeah, one <laughs> cruel summer would be awesome. Yeah, is that the one where it, it
1: opens with him? doing a drawing cartoons of mass murder
0: yeah and then there's a van halen uh burger uh claymation bit too would
1: a rank bizarre cartoons drawn by the main character i don't think anything tops freddy got fingered with his (laughs) the life of those like unicorns or or no the the centaurs or whatever it's my hooves it's my hooves
0: (laughs) Oh, that's that's the once once in a lifetime that they give that guy the keys to the kingdom. And let him do that. I, I love when they
1: when he shows him to Anthony Michael Hall. He's like, it's fucking stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's fucking stupid. It's funny. <laughs> he's I, like, I was... you got a guy. He's holding a bag of eyeballs. Why? It's got to <laughs> make sense.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, Anthony Michael Hall would be a good cast for Arnie at that time.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. They, But he had his Arnie moment. He got to be the the guy in uh, Edward Scissorhands, the
0: bully. And oh, he yeah. Played that, he played that great. He all buffed up. Yeah, totally. And it was just,
1: I, his, he's always had, an, there's an aggression to those those kind of fast-talking kids. Right. Like, even in his early movies, when he's... The John Hughes, he's playing the nerd. He's playing the picked on kid. But when you when you're quick, you know when you can like you can see how that can
0: be weaponized.
1: Yes, it can be weaponized. I think in Edward Scissorhands, it's not just that he bulked up; it's that he's kind of in people's face and he's he's doing that. He, it's like the aggro nerd. He,
0: yeah, no, I, I I totally agree with that. He's say he's real. He's snappy. and It can be it can be funny and charming, but also he can tear somebody down.
1: There's a video on the internet of him flipping out on people in a swimming pool. Why? Where some, one of his handlers is holding back. I don't know. There's no context to it. I couldn't figure out. I wanted to see the previous five minutes, but he's just yelling at some family, some people swimming in the pool. <laughs> It's like no, you're out of line, and he's he's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, he, I mean he's got a good like roar on him, a good scream. Also, I think Chevy Chase fucked him up. I think Chevy Chase is the meanest guy in the world, and this tore him down. He's 14, making vacation, and mm-hmm. he's never been the same.
1: That's another movie where they uh, speaking of going back and fixing it. Um, did you read the short story that's based on? That was no, the- I
0: know, I know it's a National Lampoon, uh, short, but no, I never even tried it.
1: It just it just escalates into this grim ending where the dad goes to prison essentially for going. It goes on a crime crime spree he starts <laughs> robbing places and then the end and uh so the movie didn't have that um ending where they make it to wally world they sort i think right. they, filmed, they filmed that that more stunted bleaker ending or more truncated ending audiences were like we got to see wally world you've been talking about it the whole time like they're missing the point <laughs> like that's the you know it's like <laughs> waiting for godot you're not gonna see <laughs> wally. so they said all right get everybody back together and they got the whole cast back together to film the wally world stuff
0: and i think what i heard is like um they got john Candy to you know he wasn't in the original cut or they needed him back and it cost him like a million bucks just to have him back for oh no shit <laughs> that's for crazy. for two extra scenes or something which is you know john canning wasn't a yeah, huge yeah, star Get that money yeah
1: I, anthony michael hall said in some interview that he came back to the set and puberty had kicked in
0: well that's all i was thinking about they, they i think they literally dug holes so he, he could stand yeah, next to like, just like the you mom. said earlier they yeah.
1: did, just to come back to cusack they dug a hole and he had to stand in it because he was this lanky monster <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. Christine, I mean, Christine is always a good time.
1: It's good shit. I'm glad I'm rereading it. The, uh, I didn't remember that the whole sack, there was these three point of views and there's the teenage death songs and teenage car songs and teenage love songs. There was, he was, he was digging into that. I think it was if you were if you were to do your street with Stephen King, if you were to do your best of or your what do you what did you call it?
0: Well, it's a five star autopsy, but yeah, it's it's, a, autopsy. it's it's supposed so, to be yeah. an unended run. Yeah, recently,
1: well, it was Stephen King's birthday, and so everybody was posting their best Stephen King list. <laughs> so I thought of your five star autopsy lists, and I thought I'd shake it up, so I put his five worst. And got yelled at.
0: <laughs> What's funny is like the Dark Tower is. I think I thought most people agreed. Like yeah, the last half is what what happened. I think that you're just not allowed
1: to. There's no dissent allowed as far as praise everything Stephen King has ever done. But as I was saying to you earlier, you can't have a worst of list unless you have a huge regard for whoever it is. Like, do you, yeah, can you imagine point. having a worst of list for somebody who's terrible? It would be everything. Right. So no. If, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You have to have enough books. do a five worst yeah yeah Yeah, i got i got scolded they the scolds came out and said how dare you on his birthday
0: (laughs) on his birthday because you know uncle steve's gonna see this and like oh dave really like
1: yeah like he's like he's the dude in creep show with the it's my bedelia a a top five worst on my birthday
0: Uh, also Stephen King's a really good actor in that movie and a creep show. Uh, love him. <laughs> my
1: top five I put my top five on that list. I guess I was shamed enough so to say it, it was uh, uh, I got it, it is I would say is if not his best, his his most book. And then I've got uh, The Dead Zone, The Shining, The Stand and Firestarter because it was it was the first one I read. And I got the Talisman on there too, because um there's a lot, a lot in the Talisman, a lot to love. The Talisman is like Tron. Have you ever read that
0: book? Yeah, it, it's it's good. It's funny. I I I've never read any other Peter Straub. I I feel bad because I know you can
1: kind of tell when they take over and they kind of try to one up each other. Yeah. Peter Straub will do a chapter and Stephen King's like, oh, you introduced this topic. I will now take it. Thank you. And then just expand on it ridiculously. And uh, um, I loved it. I, I haven't read it though in a long time
0: but. and it's 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 very much like Dark Tower when it was good like yeah
1: yes but I also it, it led me to thinking about his top five short stories and I think That'd that be those tough. probably that had more of an impact on me as a kid was reading his short story collections yeah. I didn't even think that was it's like whoa because you you've experienced short stories as a kid probably before you experience a novel because you are smaller that's very true so to come across a short a horror short story especially ones that are as aggressive as his work Well, this is a thing um my top five st- short stories i would say loosely calling them short stories I- i'm including novellas here too. uh um, the Ballad of the Flexible Bullet.
0: Yeah. The g- yep.
1: fucking gremlin in the typewriter. Fucking, there's a little gremlin who makes him. I, I just remember thinking that was great. Sometimes they come back. Yep. It, it is just, that in
0: Skeleton Crew or is that some another collection? That was in uh, Night Shift. Night I Shift. Think. Yeah.
1: G- Gray Matter, the one where the guy keeps bringing the beer back and it's got it's turning him into a blob. Do
0: you remember don't that know. one? I don't know if I even remember that one. No. I think it's called Gray Matter. I was gonna say, I read Skeleton S- Crew and I read Night Shift, so it's just maybe been a long time. It sounds silly out loud, but somebody keeps
1: drinking beer that's turning them into a gelatinous blob. But it, <laughs> that one was spooky. That one scared the shit out of me. And I got the mist. I yeah, you, the get, mist you got to do the mist. And uh, Quitter's Incorporated since it's... Um, oh, the smoking, it's yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't have anything supernatural in it. And it's just, um, it was more playful than... His other stuff, when you get so many of his, you know, spooky stories, that one just seemed like uh, it was like he was on fire when he wrote that he was in the zone as far as he, he right. could go into that thriller genre so easily, which kind of foreshadowed where he was going or where he wanted to be because he didn't he abandon thrillers to, to go into horror more? The I supernatural think- took over.
0: I think it's right, and then he eventually goes back to it with like the Duma key or whatever, and some of the other yeah. stuff. I haven't read that stuff, so I, don't, I can't really talk about it.
1: Fun stuff. So yeah, Stephen King, here's to you.
0: Stephen King, not a shitter.
1: Not a shitter. Did I ask you what your thought his worst was? The Dark Tower. Oh,
0: so I mean, Dark Tower, because just in just because it had so much potential, and I kind of. Oh, that's funny. The, the last Dark Tower book, the actual, even though I hate the apology bef- right before it, the actual final fate of the main character i like that i hate everything before that it's so clunky and weird like was like you said like, you the, finished
1: uh, it you read all of them
0: yeah yeah i read them all like you know i i, I did it power through um it, did, my,
1: it felt like a fucking job didn't it
0: oh it did it's me my, my wife taylor um she was into it and she's like you know my book six i don't know i was like i know we should and she basically was like no, nah, i have like i think she had like 200 pages to read in the last books so i'm i, I i'm my time's too precious. Damn. I like, and I was like, I just damn. want to talk to you about it. And she's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm like, damn. But
1: I, 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 I respect I don't it. have the strength. I don't have the strength to do that.
0: Oh, same. <laughs> to me, it's like, no, I mean, we've come this, we got to, we got to do get this across the line. The thing but...
1: is, though, she bailed right when the letter to the reader shows up. <laughs> Did she get that to the no. letter? Where no, he says,
0: she, sorry. No, but she, I, that that part's terrible. But, I mean, there is so much bad stuff in that, those last few books. But, yeah, it doesn't matter. So that's probably one of my... The, the, the real worst one, and I think the movie is a piece of shit, too, is Dreamcatcher. That's when I... At the right time in my life when I realized, oh sometimes a guy can write a 1300 page piece of shit and they'll publish it. Cause I was like, it can't be this long and be this bad because they would have stopped him. Like
1: somebody would have stopped him. Yeah. Somebody would have tackled him. Somebody would have tackled him. <laughs> and That's the the whole... one everybody forgives. Cause he got, he got hit by the van and out came that book. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's like in Rocky. It was a <laughs> Like in uh, Rocky Five, when Rocky gets hit so hard that you see flashbacks to Rocky Four, <laughs> <laughs> like it knocks it knocks a shittier movie out of him. Um, oh, yeah, I love that. Um, Dreamcatcher, the movie though, is so ambitious for the shitty source material have you seen the movie
0: yeah morgan freeman's eyebrows are ambitious i don't know but I, the I,
1: idea of the like the the mind warehouse
0: and that's one of the first times <laughs> we saw that right that's one of the first times we saw the the memory mansion or whatever it's oh it's, does he does
1: he do it in other books i stopped reading. no it. no
0: i meant this in, in pop culture like they, they did it in the hannibal show and they did a few other things
1: oh, well see it was ahead of its time and th- it's a weird director isn't it like lawrence kasdan did that movie yeah. The writer, the writer of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The director. Right. Uh, did he, he
0: did Empire, right?
1: No, that was uh that was the guy who did Robocop two,
0: Yeah, isn't it? Right? The, oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, but he
1: wrote it. You're right. He wrote it. Okay. He did the Big Chill and uh Grand Canyon. He did he did sort oh. of those reflective boomer movies. You know, I,
0: I still like Big Chill, but uh Grand Canyon, man, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, that sucked. It's got it introduced me to Warren Zevon, I'll give it that, but I hated it. Right. It's there's a better movie that does the same plot. Essentially, the um, end of violence. Do you hmm. remember the subplot in Grand Canyon where Steve Martin is an action director who gets shot and then decides he's not going to do that anymore? Right, right, right.
0: Um, so the movie,
1: the, the, the end of violence—that's the whole plot. Okay. So it runs with that, and and it's win Was it Vim Wenders? the guy who did uh, Wings of Desire? Okay. And off on off. It was a good. It was a good shit note. <laughs> Shooter cut. But yeah, this is uh, this is great. I don't know if um, there's anything else you
0: wanted to talk about. Uh no, I'm I'm good, man. But it, it was super fun.
1: All right, man. Sounds good. Until next time, two girl dads talking for 24 hours about nothing at all. You think I'm made of money? When I was your age, I'm gonna count to three. Oh,
0: no. One, two, two and a half. Uh-oh. I'm not sleeping. I'm just resting my eyes. Hear the sound of his snores from miles around yeah.
1: And he owns khaki dockers oh, yeah. and a few shades of light brown <laughs> Gives big bear hugs and tells cringy jokes But he's gonna tell them anyway Cause he's dad to the bone Dad to the bone Dad to the bone, bone. Oh, yeah. Dad, dad, Dad Dad to the bone He cooked a thousand steaks On the barbecue